0: Yeah, we love Ted Lasso, and this is the podcast to the show, you can listen to or no. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome all Greyhound fans, welcome all you sinners from the dog track, and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these
1: parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay. Uh, welcome back. Today we are going to <laughs> to try to stay a team as we talk about <laughs> Carol of the Bills, Season 2, Episode 4 of Ted Lasso, written by Jason Sudakis, Bill Lawrence, and Brendan Hunt, the, the A-Team, written by the A-Team, uh, directed by Declan Lowney, or Loney. I don't know how it's pronounced, but um, uh, a, a storied and talented director. Um, who has many, many of the uh Ted Lasso episodes on his docket. Um we are gonna jump right in. Uh boss, are you with me?
2: Yeah, I mean, yes, I am physically present. I this is I, I have three points to make, and none of them are nice. And I think that's all I have to say about this episode.
1: Okay. Uh cool. coach, how do you feel about that?
2: After the love is gone you
1: know that's all i can coach say. coach was a acapella singer at yale and oh, yeah. he really was <laughs> yeah like the guy not just an acapella singer at yale um i know like when you hear him on this podcast you think like oh that guy's not smart enough to go to yale i i get that <laughs> <laughs> like they let anyone into Yale, apparently back in the day, <clears throat> but um, he was the guy that would stand out from the acapella group and do like solos, like he was the I am this confident
0: it's true so it's true
1: so coach, like I actually you do not sing nearly enough because your voice is straight up beautiful
0: well, I appreciate that i will I will keep that in mind. there've got to be some other song references to go around around here, so yes, I'm- yeah.
1: <laughs> just hearing that, like picked up my day by about 11%. I there loved that. There you go. All right. So we're going to jump in and. Uh, okay. Opening statements. Um, You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I think we should just, we're going to try to go through this a little, a little bit of a quicker pace than we typically do because it's a throw in episode or a, a bonus episode. And. Outside of the timeline of Ted Lasso, but, um, in the interest of, of trying to do our due diligence, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to try to sort of look through it, uh, not necessarily with as much of a critical eye as we typically do, but, um, you know, we're going to sort of revisit how, what it made us feel and, and how it made us feel. And I'm going to start off by giving the floor to Coach, because as the most ardent defender <laughs> and most diehard, uh, it's not that you, that I won't say, Coach, that you love this series more than, than, than Boss no, Ride. No, no, no. But, but we, but you, you have, uh, you tend to give it a little bit more rope. Two yes. boss would say, "Hang itself with." Um, so, <laughs> I I will I'll throw to you and you take it away and just do an overview for us so that uh, you know we can sort of chime in with our with our sort of overall takeaways after
0: you're done. Absolutely. Now, and coach, please correct me on this first uh, piece that I'm going to go into. But you talked about it being a toss-in episode, and my understanding, and either of you might know better than me on this. My understanding is there was an order, and then Ted Lasso was so wildly popular that there was an order for an additional two episodes. And so this, we have concluded, must be one of the two additional episodes, which makes sense to me. It's kind of a bottle episode and all that. So I just wanted to, for anybody who heard that and wasn't quite sure what you meant by that, I think that's how it went, but either of you can correct me. Um Yeah, thank you. That's good. Good clarification.
1: This one, and then there's an episode later on called Beard After Hours, which is the second of the
0: bonus episodes. Um
2: and far superior.
0: I would just say different, but I (laughs) but, but but boss, I'm pretty sure Coach has the floor. He hasn't even started on his defense. Yeah. Well so here's so here's what I will say. The minute this started, because as we were going through the season, we, you know, there was some initial conversation. And the minute this episode started, I thought, oh dear God. Like I was like, oh no. Like I'm gonna need all my armor. Like I started calling out, like, I'm gonna need the saber too. Um and so (laughs) I was like, they're gonna, they're gonna kill me and this episode. We're all dead. Um, so listen, I go into it knowing that people generally have very strong feelings about Christmas episodes. I go into it knowing all of that. And then in addition, I'm a sucker for stuff, stuff like, you know, Christmas in July kind of a deal. It's just offbeat. So I, I was ready for it. Um in that in in that way what i will say about the episode and as we go through i think i'll be able to highlight some places i think it's a lot more um uh, i think it says a lot more about what's led to this point and lays a lot more groundwork for who the characters are and who they're going to be for and to each other going forward then I think is obvious just as like, oh, this was the throw-in Christmas episode. I think there 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 I actually do think the, the way the team gathers, I think the choice um Rebecca makes in terms of going Ted, and we'll talk about all that stuff. I think it, it speaks to where things are compared to where they started and speaks to where things are headed. Um, when it's all done in a number of ways. So I I I think it does a, lo- a lot more storytelling work than is immediately obvious. Notice you didn't say the word good
1: uh, boss. Um, How dare you, sir. Uh, uh, boss, uh, do you have uh, an overview you'd like to give before we start?
2: I, not necessarily an overview because I definitely understand where coach Bishop is coming with in terms of, If you liked the episode, I think that it was sort of a fun little pocket of story that you got to hang out in for a little bit. Um, One of the biggest issues that I'm going to have with any Christmas episode is I don't care about Christmas. It's fine. I don't hate it. I will show up. I will give presents like I, I can be involved in it, but it doesn't pull at my heartstrings at all. It's not like you show me a Christmas tree and I'm all of a sudden misty. Like I just, it's fine. I'd prefer Thanksgiving if I'm being totally honest. So I feel like there was a, like an automatic emotional floor that I already didn't get to. Like I'm already mm-hmm. missing all of the groundwork where people are like, oh, remember how sweet Christmas is? And I'm like, I oh. don't, It. Fourth of July is pretty good. I throw a mean Memorial Day party, but I don't care about Christmas. And if you don't, I feel like a lot of those things then. um, What I I do want to sort of outside of the episode itself is talk about the especially online reaction to the episode and people who didn't like the episode and how that got weird. uh, Because I feel like there was really a schism in the Ted Lasso community right around this episode. And I would like to delve into that a little bit, but um, yeah, like I I need a little bit more in order to feel emotionally propelled to a subject. Christmas just doesn't do it. I
0: just want to, I, I, a hundred percent hear you. And I think I have a, I also prefer Thanksgiving is the first thing I should say. So we got that in common. See, but
2: now, now we're back to being in love. We've got we back. figured it. We figured it out.
0: Reunited. All right. Um, so <laughs>
2: yes, yes.
0: Why haven't you been doing that? God damn, that's lovely. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I hear you on that. Um, And I think I have a little bit more of that emotional floor. I think I, you know, sometimes when I watch Ted Lasso, there's part of me that's like looking for my hug. And so the hug was there for me on the Christmas references. But I, I get how it wouldn't be for everybody. The, let's not forget that the
1: origin of Christmas is actually tied to the celebration around that time was tied to the, uh, equinox at that time. And then it was co-opted by, uh, a very wise, uh, sect of religious folks to make it the birth of their, of their, <laughs> uh, of their savior. It was good. No, it was smart. It was like, because it was already like a huge holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh the harkening in the coming of winter and changing of uh sun and all this whatever uh happens on the on the equinox there and, and or the winter solstice and then and then um uh yes, and it became a a sort of
0: even bigger event. Your um, co opting comment, by the way, is more on target I, I think than you meant it to be, because my understanding from people who can figure out such things is that the human for whatever else we want to attribute that we, that we know is Jesus would have been born more. So I want to say in February, right? Yes. I, that's
1: what I always heard. End of, end of January or February is what I heard, but you know, it makes sense. It was, it was like, it, I mean, our, what a brilliant stroke of genius to be, to tie it into the, I mean, an existing festival and uh, anyway, it, it whatever it, it worked. And, um, I like the uh, I I I'm not a huge fan of Thanksgiving, although the concept behind it is nice and weird that bone uh that boss would like that. Um
2: Oh, it's uh, almost entirely the food. Like the okay. family I was gonna
1: fine, say I yeah.
2: Right but between stuffing and um this mashed rutabaga that my family has made forever, like that's that's what's important. Bring me a pumpkin pie, I'm happy.
1: Got it. I thought we might go two whole seasons without hearing the word rutabaga on this podcast.
2: Absolutely but,
1: um, not. <laughs> you have any rutabaga songs there, Coach? Uh, I do not. As t- tar- no.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Whew. Um, all right. So, um, all right. We're going to jump in and we're going to blast through this. I will say, uh, okay, I had a, a recent birth birthday celebration. And um, Coach, you don't know this, I don't think. But... Um, I turned, uh, 50 years old, five zero. And so, uh, my lovely partner reached out to some of my friends who were, who were in other parts of the world and they sent me videos and they put it all together. It was really nice. The last video of which was from my dear friend, Coach Bishop. So when, when my son edited it together, the Coach Bishop one was such a tearjerker that they put his at the end and he started out by saying, Oh, you know, you th- I'm gonna zag when you think I'm gonna zig because you know you think I'm gonna make fun of you or whatever. And then he said the nicest things anyone has ever said, and it killed everybody. Everybody in there wasn't a dry eye in the room. So, uh, uh coach, you don't know that that happened, but that's what I don't actually know. happened. I, did, I didn't you. know that, and that's nice. So. Thank you. It was wonderful, and I I really resent it. Um, <laughs> um, but but I am going to zig when you think I'm gonna zag here. And I'm going to say about this episode that I think I get it now. So when it first aired, uh, I was among the people that hated it, and I think that schism is real. And I think um, th- this did sort of fracture the Ted Lasso fan base, or it was heading for a fracture, and this was the this was the nail in the coffin to mm-hmm. say, or 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 the mm-hmm. point where the river mm-hmm. sort of diverted, turned the white the white Nile and the blue Nile came out of the Nile, and so I think. that i really hated it we uh, for a a blog that i was editor-in-chief of we posted a picture of like r.i.p ted lasso with a gravestone we're like like this is it it's like if this is what they have (laughs) up their sleeve this shit is over and i and i did not like it i i could not believe it and looking back um i see why i had that reaction and then having rewatched it recently i see why i have the reaction i have now which is different um and part of it is goes back to my point. If you've been listening to this podcast at all, you know that I have an issue with a lot of the second season writing. And again, I love this show. I think season one was a masterpiece. I think that the staff is unbelievably talented. When I, when I try to drill down to the things that bother me about the writing, in certain cases, I call out, um, like a line that Ted will have where it rhymes, but has no deeper meaning. Whereas in the first season, Again, they had eight years to make it or something, and then they had eight minutes to make the second season. So it's understandable, and I don't want to pick on anyone, but I feel like the loss of that meaning. And it feels like, okay, we'll just like, this is a placeholder line. It just rhymes, and that's good enough. And this episode to me feels a lot like that. It feels like now that I've seen the whole thing, I say, oh, you know what? This is just like, uh, this is their version of like a rhyming episode, like where it's like, it, because the whole thing i i i was very invested in the storyline and like and like we said i can in earlier episodes we talked about how we can't, certain people came in with different expectations and i thought this was a story about a soccer team and you know whenever they they the the writing staff decides to move away from that as like the a plot i get a little antsy and i'm like oh yeah but we're still we still have to win games here people like i still have that reaction this was a complete departure and if you're okay with that, which I am now that I rewatching and go and thinking back, I was like, this is the worst episode like I've ever seen of any TV show. Cause it was so, I found it so mind blowing that it had the complete absence of stakes and that, that it had totally, uh, just like a, a happy, friendly episode in the middle of like, and I, it, it was just like a, it didn't feel like an oasis to me. It felt like a cop out. And now watching it, uh, you know, significantly uh, later after the season's finished, I've, I've, I went in expecting, you know, to, to watch like a murder. And I was like, oh, this isn't this is OK. I get what this is. Like, it's, it's not as bad as I thought. And there are actually moments in it that are fine uh, and maybe even lovely in certain places. So that's how I'm going to approach it. And I'm not going to be as uh, probably as down on it
0: as boss will be. That was actually a surprise. Thank you. Or not thank you. I mean, but that was, you taught me off guard. You really <laughs> did is what I mean to say, but go ahead.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. So we open up, uh, we're in the locker room, uh, Christmas and Hol- Hollis by run DMC is playing. It's great music. We hear the team say, Ooh, aye," and we, we, uh, cut to Colin wearing a Turkey hat. Um, and he's opening a scarf from Bubba catch and, uh, it's nice because he's like, "Bombercash, did you make this?" And he says, "Yeah, knitting soothes me." Sorry, I didn't know everyone was doing booze. And and Colin says, "This is great. I can wrap it around my booze." Which I was like, "Oh man, that's a tough tough joke to open on." But okay, <laughs> I I was fine. <laughs> I was like, "That's oh man." Okay, um, I really I you know we're t- I'm gonna highlight as many good things as I can in this episode. Um. And, man, I enjoyed seeing Isaac be this, like, figure of power in a throne mm-hmm. with his shades on and a cool, like, uh I don't even know what he was wearing, like, a frilly thing around his neck. And I was like, wow, that is that is all right. I am okay with this version of Isaac. Um, anybody else? Uh, anything to say about this to this point?
0: Yeah, just, I, I actually, and this is on the rewatch for me, this particular point. I thought that the whole thing about the, the knitting and the scarf and the booze I I, I kind of felt like it encapsulated that whole piece of this show that we've been talking about, right? I mean the booze is sort of like classic, we are men, here's your you know, here are your spirits, here are your spirits. And they didn't get rid of that, right? Like everyone isn't giving each other doilies. But if it just so happens that one guy likes to knit, then there's room for his knitting and his scarf and his take. So I I, yeah. I thought it was a way of saying like we're there's room for everybody in this locker room. Th-
1: that's a the theme that runs through this. And and we're, and we're gonna get we're gonna point those out as we go by them. But yes, there were there were here is the here is the standard operating manual for what a man is, and here is why it's okay to be this X version, or here's what it's you know, here's what what sh- you what you should you know, th- this is what what should happen around pooping your pants, and here's why it's okay to do that's that. That's really fun, right? So that's good. That's really inclusive, and that and that's positive. Um, again, we're coming off into this episode like think, thinking, okay, we have a protest against cerithium Oil and Air Dubai. I'm like, what's going to happen with that? Like, I'm re- I'm ready for for uh, Rebecca to sort of be hustling for another, uh, sponsor, you know, all these types of things. And so I'm like, wait, wait, what, what is granted a bonus episode and a throw in in the middle of August and, and whatever. But, uh, that's why it was a little bit jarring for those of us who were like, no, I'm invested in, in this plot. Um, anyway, it's very lovely. Everybody, uh, you know, claps and it's all happy, happy business. Um, Isaac says something like, May your secret Santa reveal himself because Dan- for Danny Rojas's uh turn and Jan Moss jumps up and he's clearly got a some booze in his hand and it's all it's all good. I I have said this more in the past, but I I will mention that whew, there's a lot of drinking on this show and um I, I have worries about, uh, normalizing, um, functional alcoholism, but, um, it's, it's fine. Uh, I don't drink that much. So it can be very foreign to me to see like the, the amount of drinking and and that drinking is a understood and accepted part of, of many, many ritualistic things in this show and traditional things. And I go, okay, wow. Like, all right, like that, sure. That's one way to do it. Um, but I've seen a lot of bad shit come out of drinking mm-hmm. over the years, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm just like, man, what if it was something else? But anyway, uh, I'm just putting a pin in that uh, because it's not like it's not real. That that is the world we live in in many places, and so. But it just if you're not accustomed to seeing this much drinking, then you go. Well, it just feels like can can
0: I know this. This sounds like me clutching my pearls, but I but I do notice like, oh man, there's a lot of drinking No, there is definitely a lot of drinking on this show. I mean, I don't think you're, you know, I don't think that's you being, you know, some teetotaler. I, I think that what one thing I like about it, and I do think you're right that, you know, you can normalize, even if you are trying to comment, um, is I like the range of ways we see it. And that drinking in itself like it is And there are, there's the dark version of it. There's the truly social version of it. There's the, we're drinking with the eye toward getting drunk version. Like I kind of like that it's presented in a, in a whole way. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. It's, it's it's not presented as like, Oh, they're drinking and Nate's going to become an alcoholic or they're drinking. And isn't this all just a great time? Or, you know what I mean? Or we only drink alone. Or we like, I think it's interesting to show the different ways that the alcohol shows up and, and that it can signify different things.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. It also can, It uh, to me, yes, that's a, okay, that's a very positive spin on it. F- from my perspective, when I see it in all these different places, I go, it's ubiquitous. And every every situation is acceptable to to be whatever again it's fine people want to mm-hmm. drink it's fine people are adults mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want but but uh, something about it I don't know why i'm I'm, I'm making a note of it other than I, I notice it I go wow that is like yes so you can have it to to feel sorry for yourself and you can have it to you want hey let's get drunk there's like a thing when they walk in later uh, at Higgins's house yes. and they're like let's get drunk and so Zero. yes yeah. there are abs right there are uh, many many places to and and uses for this um i l- listen i'm not i just i never feel comfortable um being out of my element or being out of like my whatever i don't know how to sober i guess i never feel i don't ever feel very comfortable being not sober and that applies to you know edibles and things like that too because i'm not one of those people that can like have an edible and then you know, drive a car or something like that. So, so historically I just go, maybe I'm just, I'm too much of a nervous Nelly, but like with four kids, I'm just like, Oh God, if I like smoke a joint and then my kid hits their head or something, then, then I'm like, I, what am I going to, you know, I need to be, I don't know for me, it's always been like a, I think an anxiety thing. Um But even that said, I have never seen someone like smoke a joint and then start a fight. So, so like that I, I would be, you know what I mean? Like I just, uh, but I have seen so many ugly things come out of drinking, even like a drink or two can change people. So anyway, it's, I can't believe I took this long to talk about it, but I do notice it. All right. Um, we cut to the coach's room. Ted is opening up a gift from Nate, uh, Kaliki Maka, which is a great kaliki maka. What a beautiful word. Oh, ugh, ugh, by Ben Crosby's playing on the radio. It's a picture of their first win. Uh Ted says, thank you. Uh it, no, the sorry. The picture itself is inscribed by Nate. Ted, thank you for everything you've done for me. Nathan. It has some uh the, the picture itself will will have a will play a role later in the series. Uh Beard takes the photo from Keely and says, What a lovely inscription. You wrote it completely over my head, face, and body. Nate apologizes. Um, through the window, we see Will opening up a gift full of cash with the guys, which is which is lovely for Will. I'm psyched for Will. Um, Higgins chimes in the secret Santa and half day for Christmas are great new traditions. And I thought he was making fun of the fact that they were there at all on Christmas. Like, uh, that they should be, it should be off for Christmas, but he was like, Oh, a half day for, I don't know if that's what it was. Ted says, uh, he thinks the team needs to be responsible so they can save their likes for tomorrow's big game. And everybody does a cheers to responsibility. Any notes here at all yet boss?
2: Um, so far, not so many. Um, I was actually not to go back too much on your drinking point. I think that it is important for later in the series and that we sort of see how drinking changes. I also would like to say as an individual who enjoys very much being altered in uh, various different states, what I always find interesting about TV shows that have a lot of drinking is that it seems like no one's ever drunk or even slightly tipsy. Like uh, there was a show a few years ago called My Boys about a sports writer living in Chicago And her group of guy friends, and they would drink throughout the entire show and nobody ever like couldn't operate. They could all land planes at the end of those episodes. And I'm like, you could show drinking, but why aren't we showing people having the effects of drinking happening? So um, not to call back too much to that, but I did want to say your point was correct. Other than
1: Culturally, this is what we do, though, right? This is like we show it's always been so cool to smoke, but you don't ever see people with emphysema.
2: Or just becoming older smokers like. Yeah. As a person who enjoys a cigarette when I have a cocktail, I know that it's doing terrible things to me. Like I do think that there should be both sides of that. If you drink you get drunk. If if you have an edible you're going to be stoned and laugh at things. Believe me, I know these things. So, um yes, I do think <laughs> I oh man do I love an edible and watching some old like my brother, my brother and me skits. I will totally level with you on that. It's one That's of my faves. Awesome.
1: No, uh, no, that's great. That is great. There, listen. There's places for it. We do a fantasy yes. football draft every year, and I hadn't had any marijuana in. I know, I say it like a like a grandfather, like marijuana. I, but you, you but hadn't I ha- done
2: any marijuana
1: in a while. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't <laughs> taken any of the dope. Uh, that's what my dad would say. Like, <laughs> my dad too. Yeah, dope. Um, but but I remember I was like, okay, I was. I don't know. My kids were getting older, and I was away, and I was like four days away from the family. They're in good hands. And I remember I was like, "All right, maybe I'll try some or whatever." And co- <laughs> coach put my ha- put his hand on my chest. And he was like, Oh no, 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 no. Like, no, it's not what it used to be, baby. Like, oh. like this will kill this will kill you. Like, <laughs> oh, because I, yeah. I the only stuff I had in college was like <sighs> dirt weed and shit with stems in it and you know what I mean? And and this was in California at the time. It was like people were had like medical marijuana. It was like yes. he was like, Oh no, it's no, coach serious. was like, This you cannot just jump into it. and I ended up just being like, Ah oh, fuck it, I'm not doing it at all. And,
0: uh, <laughs> But I yeah. really, I re- when you described it to me, I did have that thought. Like, it, was, that was genuine. Like, I know, but that was me going, like, uh, you're going to end up, like, a far away from where you think you're going to end up. Like, this is. Right. Yeah. But this is
1: a this is a dynamic, right? I mean, if we if you think about all our, 23 years we've had this, that league.
0: Isn't that crazy? How
1: many times have you ever seen me drunk at that thing or high or anything? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I bring a cup of coffee and yeah. I dominate.
0: <laughs>
1: well no but no but you know what i mean like i typically it's yeah, not yeah yeah.
0: no seriously yeah
1: okay um uh boss did i step on the, the end of your point there was there something else
2: no that was the entirety of my point that was it
1: all just right, so you wasn't cannot a very good actually
2: one. drink a bottle of scotch and not get drunk i don't care who you are
1: I, it's so true i saw you know i was watching um for all mankind the other day i love um Uh, Michael Dorman, the, uh, the actor who's from Patriot and he's in for all mankind. And he did this one scene where he was, he's a, he's like a, basically a heavy drinker. And he, this one scene where he was got home, clearly drunk. and went to pour himself another glass of scotch or something. And he just wavered a little bit while he was pouring. And the pour was a little flawed. It didn't spill, but it was, it was just a little flawed. And his, and his shoulders shifted a little. And I was like, oh, that's good acting. Like that's – it's one of the things when you go to acting school, believe it or not, one of the uh, hardest things to do is act drunk. And they, sh- they tell you, okay, go act drunk. And everybody over – there's a few things that like you can tell a decent actor right off the bat, like people who naturally get it. One is like, can they act drunk? C- because everybody overdoes it. They, they stumble. Mm-hmm. They, f- they, they, don't, they don't get it. Another thing is like, can you do a believable yawn?
2: There's <laughs> so many, yeah. you'll
1: see, just watch this in shows. You'll watch them and they go, oh, that's, that's not a yawn. I can tell that you didn't yawn. You know what I mean? Like So anyway,
0: um, they're like little tiny things uh, to tip you off. But um, yeah, a, I thought that was great. It's an odd thing to compliment. It's funny you bring up that point, but I specifically think that Jason Sudeikis does great drunk. And I'm actually serious. Um, If you think about the episode when he walks out and Roy Kent is there, Uh, When he walks out of the bar and Roy Kent or the pub and Roy Kent is there, um, he's just got this slack face thing going on as he downs the last of that final beer. That I'm like, that is what it's like to walk out of that bar having had too many beers and really feeling a commitment that somehow like there are sober children in Africa and you've got to finish this beer. What what's going to happen? Like you've (laughs) you've, you've had enough. (laughs) <laughs> You've had enough. But no no no, I got to finish this beer. So I just I yeah, I think today actually does a pretty nice. Also the the episode obviously uh where he 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 rips Nate a new one in the hallway was another one where I thought like yeah, that's what that's what being drunk looks like. God damn. You know, it's so fascinating
1: because you're saying that homeless children in Africa or beerless children in Africa who are sober whatever. And and I think like I think when I was growing up as a middle class white boy I think my first few references to the, the continent of Africa were there are starving children in Africa who would want your food.
0: Absolutely. I, I, right? I, I agree. Yeah, so that, that was that my makes understanding. All the sense of the world to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: And then when I went to Africa,
0: <laughs> you go, what the hell was everybody talking about?
1: Yeah. They're like, well, no, listen, it's not like it's a, it's a, at least when I was there, it was not that it was abundance, but it certainly was not, uh, you know, a, Sally Struther's right. nightmare commercial. A lot more you know. to it than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, should we should we dissect the continent of Africa now? Or I think we'll move on. I think we'll just we'll
2: I don't know. Um, I feel pretty comfortable doing that. That feels yeah. fine for me. That feels fine for <laughs> me. It, yeah, we could go. We're wrong. just the
1: right people to do it, Bon. <laughs> um okay, so uh okay. Everyone cheers responsibility. Beard says Beard says if they get the boxing day win, then the team will have more wins and losses, and then we see the board. And what does it say on the board, boss?
2: It says wins at four, losses at four, D's nuts, fourteen, total points is twenty-six. I I actually did appreciate the the D's nuts throwing, because that's always a good joke. But also that does mean that we have missed a few games, I believe. I think that the last time we heard a game count, it was that we were at eight ties. So there's obviously been some time between the last episode.
1: Right. Which, which because we had what, what i would say nine ties. Is that what you said? Um, and then we go, so then I'm like, wait, if this is a bonus episode and this is not in the timeline, are we jumping for, I, I remember being so irritated by this choice because I'm like, Oh, this is such a fucking cop out. If this yeah. is a show about soccer, show the fucking soccer. It, it, like, why are you showing key elements of the a plot off screen? Yeah, you, like, and then then people would say, "Hey, that's not the a plot, dude. The a plot is is you know everybody's emotional journey." And and then I throw papers in the air and overturn tables <laughs> and say, "Why don't yeah. I get what I want?"
2: Well, it, no. Listen, you make a joke about that, but what I'll say is, number one, I want to correct myself. I believe there were eight ties, and then um, the loss when they did correct the, the Boyacá game. I mean, yes. So there still have been a few jumps, but also not to get into the schism quite yet. But there does, I feel like, sometimes end up being this weird criticism that if I like something about a show and then the show changes and I don't like that anymore, it feels completely okay for me to say I don't like that show anymore. But sometimes when you say that, the response is you know, uh, like you're a fair weather fan or that's not what the show's about. You're supposed to like the show for what it is about. And I'm like, oh, okay, but I don't like that. Like, that's not what I got into the show for. Um, I know that I've talked about Game of Thrones a few times, but, you know, House of the Dragon is starting. So I'm only going to mention, I feel like the first four seasons were political intrigue set in a magical world with dragons and shit. And then the later seasons were all, Hero story. This is how Jon Snow saves the realm, essentially. And when that change happened, I didn't like it as much, and people criticized me for that. And I was like, it, "But, but the show is different, guys. Like, if you had shown me the show from the beginning, I might not have liked it." So it, it feels weird when people say you're not supposed to like the show for soccer; you're supposed to like it for the emotional growth. And I'm like, it, "But." But can we do soccer also? If I like soccer, can we watch it for soccer? Yeah,
1: we missed yeah. their first win, right? And I'm what like, what the hell?
2: We missed our first four win. wins. Yeah. Like, what are they Who'd doing? They beat?
1: Who'd they beat? What happened? Like, how- was it the coaching? Was it, I'm like, what-, what happened? Was it two aces? Is that what did it? it, it but then it, it also gave us like four more ties. I'm like, okay, uh, all right. Like,
2: if they have now Danny Rojas and Sam and Jamie, like, they're probably cleaning up, and we should be seeing that. And, like, one of the most emotional scenes in the first season was the last half of Episode 10, where they showed the entire game. Like, you can make that emotional. I don't understand why these two things have to be separate.
1: All right, wait. What's the record since we've last seen it? They were 0, 1, one and, and 8. And 8. Right? That's a lot mm-hmm. of and now in so the record since then has been what? 4, Four three, 3, and 5. And five. Yeah, that's not. Okay. All right. Okay. Like, how, how would you feel with a four, three, and five uh, season there, coach?
0: Not great. But they turn it. They, I will say this. They are, t- to me, that does signal they're turning it around. Now, I, I, I actually do. I didn't miss the soccer. But as we discuss it right now, I see why that feeling would be there. Whether we want to call it the A or not why that feeling would be there that like, wait a minute, this is the story of this club that that's a, that's a lot of developments, no matter how that four, three and five happened, it matters. It would impact how people are interacting. It would impact how they feel about their next, you know, match. So I, 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 I I see that point. I'll say though, and i still stand by this, that football, I almost said is the, is there, is the world they're in. And that's what brings them together. Yes, but I do stand by. That I think this season is about getting under some of the things that we just got to smile at in season one. Isn't that cute? Isn't that clever? Oh, Jamie, right? And I think this season takes us a little deeper in to like what's really underneath, inside of some of those in you know driving some of those things. So I I, I like that that happened but I do see where there could have been a, a bit more balance in terms of the soccer. piece. All right. So uh, Ted asks, uh,
1: asks uh, coach Nate, what he's doing the rest of the day and he's spending it with his family and his dad is he just sets up the fact that his dad is really tricky to buy for and that he hates everything. Um Higgins uh, shakes his head and asks, uh, and Nate asks uh, coach Beard what he's doing. And he replies that him and Jane are going to a pagan Christmas ritual at Stonehenge. Keely says she thought they broke up. And I think, and I'm going, wait, did, I mean, listen, boss, I'm going to throw this to you because I don't, I don't track the Jane and Beard as well as you do. But like, were, weren't they together last we checked? I, oh, didn't they do a digital um, yes intimacy they, thing?
2: Yes, they were on the same, uh, they were sharing uh, an iCloud. They were doing digital intimacy. They were together the last we heard. I think that this was supposed to be a nod to the volatility of their relationship. So since they had decided to become digitally intimate, they had in fact broken up. um, I have some issues with the way that Jane is portrayed specifically because I don't think she's been on camera yet. Not that I'm remembering in this season Mm. Uh, that it's all them talking about Jane and talking about Jane through their, the, the information that they're getting from Beard. So I'm going to have a lot more to say in this in the other bonus episode later when it deals more mm-hmm. with Beard and with Jane. But, um, yeah, they were together last we heard. They are broken up already. But they're going to try to be friends.
0: I, I It landed on me similar to what you just said, Boss, which was, you know, yeah, and stay tuned. Like, by this afternoon, they could be back together, and by tonight, they could be back apart. So I, that, I sort of take yeah. that as, like, a running joke through the season.
2: And I... So I have uh, sort of set up my own personal life. I don't want to get too much into it, but I'm not married. I'm not having kids. There's a lot of ways that I'm not doing the traditional adulthood relationship things. And I feel good about that. I'm fine with that. But one of the things is, I don't know if we should automatically consider it terrible that a couple has fights, breaks up, gets back together, wants to be involved with each other. Like, I can understand why that would be incredibly difficult if there were children involved. But if you're talking about two adults, like it, Logan Echols and Veronica Mars could get back together as many times as they want to, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not going to make judgments on their relationship based on that. Like what they do is break up and get back together. Cool. Go for it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good pull. Um, uh, yeah. You're you love Logan, right? You love Logan.
2: I love. Logan.
1: Okay. Yeah. You and my daughter. Great. I just Perfect. have to stay I have to meet up to the standard of Veronica Mars dad. That's it. That's where I have to Oh,
2: absolutely. No. Keith Mars is the greatest. Also, um, if your daughter needs some tips about not letting her credit get ruined, uh, you could send her right to me. I will I will give her uh, the insights of all of my mistakes throughout my life. Try I, I'm not to
1: take you up. Yeah, I'm gonna take you up on that. Thanks, boss. So um uh do we mention here at all that it's the Diamond Dogs plus Keeley.
2: No, it, yeah. It, it, is,
1: there, is that worth noting? I guess not.
2: Go ahead, take this one, Coach.
1: Because Keeley's not—I mean, Keely's not part of the Diamond Dogs, and this is the Diamond Dogs. She, like when she was in the coach's room, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." Then, then where's Rebecca? Then what? Like where? Where's where's uh laughing Larry? Um, oh, but, Liam. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yes, laughing Liam. Yes. Uh,
0: uh, uh, uh. yeah so um, it's interesting I didn't think of it as diamond dogs but I will say and there are a few things in this episode that resonate with this it just for me it just said like to to, jokingly but for the third and then I'm going to knock it off for this episode but we are family Uh. I just thought they were like (laughs) But so. no, really like I and I by the way, I can do that all day. My, like I am an R&B lunatic. So like I really could do that all day. But I, but I thought I thought it was really a nod to like the way they all get along including that they could joke about sex in a way that was totally more than respectful loving. Like it just struck like like I can Wait, see which, that. Which one? That. We're talk- You're talking about when Keeley talks about yeah. what curve order? Okay, yeah, when Keeley talk to, you know, talks about sexy Christmas and they're all being kind of silly. And we- that moment could be gross. Like That moment could be, get HR on the phone now. Like You don't get a half day. You don't, You won't believe what just happened in the locker room. And instead, it's a really kind of warm, silly you know, thing and to the point that even Rebecca can walk in and, you know, sort of know that, oh, I know what you're joking about. Like, I don't know. There's something about men and women being able to joke that way specifically that tells me there's something healthy about the environment. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I particularly noted that and, and liked it a lot.
1: I remember growing up and there was this thing. I don't know where I heard this. I wish I could like say where it came from, but uh, somehow I remember hearing you can have fifty guys in a room, and you're gonna have the best time. It'll be the best time in the world. And as soon as one woman walks in, there's gonna be a fight.
0: Wow! And this feel, yeah. You, you, you ever hear that when you're growing uh, up? Nah, but I mean, I I get it. I get where it's coming from. But yeah, no, I never heard that before.
1: Yeah, I don't. And whatever. And what I appreciate is. I think in this situation, you know, sometimes you get guys in a room and it's guy, you know, locker room talk, guy talk or whatever. And I like the fact that on this show, you can have a version of that where Keeley's involved and it doesn't feel gross. I mean, we see behind the curtain. So we know when the diamond dogs are around, it's also not gross, but it just felt really good to, uh, yeah, that's, that they can address that sort of stuff and the oh, Oogas and Rebecca enters and they, she knows they're talking about sexy Christmas and. Um, I really hate the word sexy. I'll just, you know, put a pin in that. The few words in this show, uh, this particular episode that I hate. I'm just not. Sexy is like a um, like a punchline word to me, like erotic.
2: It's a bad word. I I don't mean it's a curse word. I mean it's a bad word. Like, it feels bad to say it in my mouth. Like, I don't I don't like it. The I just time- say
1: it to, like, if I say it to, to Jul- my partner, if I say it to, to Juliana, I, like, it is, it, like, she will laugh. At it. I'll be like, oh, you know, like. You seem like you're feeling very sexy. She'll be like, oh, "What the fuck?" She would howl oh. laughing. Oh god, I, I this absolutely this cake understand. is making me feel very erotic. Like some of these
0: oh. words are so <laughs> brutal. That's so interesting. Brutal. I've never thought about that in my. I've been married twenty four years, and you're right. Like whenever it's said, it is firmly tongue in cheek. Like that. Like yeah. I was, as you just said it, I was like, "Oh my god!" He like <laughs> I've yeah. never thought about it once, but you're right. You're all right.
2: The only times it's acceptable is when you say sexy times, because that's so over the top childish that's and right. intentionally making fun of it that you're like, oh, yeah, the sexy times. And then like you imagine the person doing uh, like a hip thrust at the same time, just like to really bore at it. At all. <laughs> so that's okay right. For yes, me. that's then,
1: exactly the tier it belongs on. Right.
2: In a way that I can't explain and I'll never be able to properly verbalize. But um, and I confirmed this with a friend this weekend. For some reason, I always refer to the actor from The Abyss and Westworld as sexy Ed Harris. And I don't know why, and I can't explain it, but I know that it's true, and it doesn't make me uncomfortable.
1: I think – no, no, why should it? Um, mm-hmm. I think that another word in this, in this uh, sort of grouping of gross words that people use and that are gross and they're only good for comedy is lover – and i think oh, snl sure. did a great mm-hmm. series of sketches where it's like my lover and i it was it was uh, rachel dratch and will farrell in a tub and they talk about this is what i do with my lover and it's funny because i remember julian and i julian and i are not married and we're like there is no good word for adult girlfriend or boyfriend like there's no like so we use partner Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but this but historically that's been sort of a word from the gay community so like oh thor's gay or or, you know that kind of like whatever that you know it's that it's that kind of thing but it's so it gets i just wish there was a really good word for adult um like life soulmate person that you really like and hang with but you're not
0: married
2: how do you feel about hetero life mate
0: We'll workshop it. We'll workshop <laughs> yeah. that.
2: Because so. it's it's um, uh, Jay and Silent Bob, I believe in dogma. Jay refers to Silent Bob as his hetero life mate. And that is to clarify that the two men are not in a romantic relationship with each other. But I do still on occasion use it with my boyfriend just to... Just it, it's I don't like partner either, and so hetero life mate seems to work.
1: I love it. That's so great. Um Ted Ted offers Rebecca a drink and asks her what she's doing, and she says she's going to a party at a friend's house. And Keely says first and last name please, and she says Elton John. Um, so that's a uh, holy shit kind of thing. Um, Ted says hold me closer, time to dance her prancer and vixen. I was fine with
0: that line. I was going to ask you. Yeah. I specifically wanted to ask you. Sorry, go ahead, Coach. No, no. no. What were you saying? No, I was going to ask you how you felt, because we've been talking about those throughout the season, and they haven't bothered me when they don't have the deeper meaning, but I know you have been wanting a little more richness, and that felt more in line with the ones you've liked. So I meant to ask you specifically, how'd you feel about that one?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I was totally fine with that. I was like, okay, that's an Elton John lyric, plus, plus a reference to the the re- reindeer. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's That works fine. Rebecca says it's lovely, and at the party, they all sing carols around Elton's piano. And um, hopefully Rachel Weiss and Daniel Craig will do their puppet show again. And and Ted says, that sounds like double O heaven to me. Which, which, I don't, I mean, am I missing the, okay. If you look at the connective tissue of the first line, it's like really clear. But what did I miss with double O heaven?
0: Is it Just Daniel 00, Craig James? He's double O seven. Yeah. So it's because
1: it's it. seven and heaven rhyme?
0: Or, yes. Uh, it's, and okay, and it. it would be lovely to watch it. Yeah. I, don't, I think that's as, yeah, it's no deeper than <sighs> I think. Okay.
1: All right. <laughs> um, uh, Higgins will be opening uh, Christmas presents and hosting an open house for players who don't have family in town, something they do every year. They usually get two and he invites Ted, but Ted says, I appreciate that. offer Higgy Smalls. Any, any comment there, coach? Or
0: I actually, that one, I mean, similar to the um, Elton John one, I felt, like I must've lived a pretty interesting life that both of those landed for me, but, but I'm all good, baby, baby. I mean, like to do the biggie lyric right off of the Higgy smalls thing. I thought that I, I, that worked, that worked for me. It made me, it made me smile and it seemed in line with, you know, do tell Ricky bell and all those, and you know, the Bismarck E joke and all that stuff that's going on throughout. Okay.
1: Um, I, as the, uh, resident Brooklyn, um, uh, uh, what would you be, uh, not resident, um, you are the resident Brooklyn uh, specialist. There you go. I wanted to make sure that you were representing the East Coast. Okay. Um, this is the first Christmas away from each other, he says. So once Henry wakes up in about an hour, uh, Henry, again, is uh, Ted's son. He wants an open presents, spend all day together in FaceTime. And everybody's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a lovely afternoon of Yuletide cheer in two dimensions. Um, then Jamie comes in. Forgot to buy a Secret Santa gift. I loved this. I, this is so Jamie. I really, enju- I really loved this. He says the email said secret, and he didn't want to ruin this surprise. I was like, ah, oh, that is so great. That's such a Jamie thing. Um. So Ted pulls out booze. They all put together, wrap it up, and there you go. Uh, you have Christmas miracle. And uh, in true Jamie fashion, staying in character, Jamie says, "God bless me,
0: everyone." I'd just like to point out, well, two things. One is Beard's response there, wow, which was as just perfectly timed and delivered. So just want to call that out just as we're going through. But when he said, when Jamie said, God bless me, everyone, I laughed out loud. And in part, it's because he continues to drop these lines that do have like a certain, like they're almost, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of um, Yogi Berra. You know, and he'd say something oh, like it gets yeah. it gets it gets late early out there and you'd be like that both makes no sense and makes all the sense in the world. That place is too crowded nobody goes there anymore and you go that is nonsensical and also I know exactly what that means. Yeah. Yogi Berra, I, classic. Yeah. Yep, so classic. anyway, to me Jamie's got a lot of Yogi Berra to him. God, that's so <laughs> Oh,
1: That's so great. I'm going to have to process that. But yes. Uh, wow. That's fascinating. Um, okay. So we cut to Keely's. Achilles- oh, actually. All right. Listen, we are now at the now we roll the title sequence. So it's taken us. <laughs> oh, my God. An hours- hour. All right. So I am going to speed up the pace because we don't have to do too much in this episode.
2: We um, don't. Although I would like to say, I feel in my heart that the claymation intro that they did specifically for this episode, their Christmas episode, is a nod to the Community episode Abed's uncontrollable Christmas, which was entirely in claymation.
0: Ah. I, interesting
2: I have no cough.
0: Yeah, interesting I just call. Feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah. No, that, I I get that.
1: I think Keely got ripped off in the claymation. Department. Everyone sort of generally looks like approximately like their person, except
0: for Keely. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, she's she's she she didn't. I, I'd say this. She didn't do well. Like at best, it was break even. And yeah, I think I think the claymation version of uh, Keely is a bit of a downgrade. You're right.
1: All right. So Keely is setting up her house for sexy Christmas. I think like that. You know, very various things about setting up and fishnet leg lamps and strawberries in a chocolate fountain um there's a point where keely starts licking the chocolate out of the fountain i was like food fetishists like uh, uh you know who are fans of the movie which is now ancient called nine and a half weeks are gonna die for the shot of of her mm. licking this chocolate um no judgment uh she hangs a mistletoe and she looks um takes off her coat and is a stunner in sort of a see-through red thing with a red bikini ensemble underneath, and not bikini, like a like a what do you call it? Uh,
2: so yeah, old. bikini. I mean, yeah. I I feel like we're gonna have to. Speaking of words that people don't care for, we're gonna get close to the the e word for women's underwear, and I call them underwear. I think maybe you're looking for a broad panty set. I'm so sorry. God, I, was, so
1: I was getting words. closer to negligee, but wait, there's another. Is it a pop bra and panty set? I guess that's what it is. Yeah, But,
0: but wait, yeah, I like, I mean, I know we need to move things along, but the aversion to the P word, which I'm going to go ahead and confess that, that that was not the first P word that came to mind. Um, so I was that like, whoa, take it easy there, <laughs> boss. Um, but yeah, tell me about the panties thing, because I, I never even heard that. Is that sort of like in the moist list of just like words that bother people?
2: It's similar. I do notice that it's more women than that dislike it than men. Um, The way that uh, uh, my college roommate, who I luckily is still a good friend of mine. um, And she hates the word. Like she will not say it ever. The way that. Yeah. Yeah. The way we've been able to describe it is that it's. Somehow simultaneously infantilizing to grown women. And what they put on their bodies. And also Weirdly sexualizes what little girls might wear. Like it's an odd combination of a word that is diminutive, but supposed to be hot. And so it ends up in this, like I would never want somebody to say, look at my panties or something like it's supposed to be sexy. And it really, really isn't. And it makes it then repulsive. And I don't know how else to explain it.
0: I thought you explained it pretty well.
2: Perfect. Love that.
1: Hell, I'm going to get me some panties right now. <laughs> all right. So uh, the, so uh, Keely gets herself all beautifuled up. And, uh, man, she looks good. And then in the doorbell rings, she's ready for, for Roy. I don't know why he would ring the doorbell, but okay. And then um, she well, opens the door.
2: Sorry. Actually, I'll jump in there. I think maybe he yeah. rang the doorbell because he wanted her to be notified that Phoebe is with him. Like, that might have been a heads up in case there – if she but was she wasn't. She, but he came
1: in late. He came in much later. So I thought maybe Phoebe rang the door. Anyway, it doesn't. It may be it that too.
2: Yeah.
1: Anyway, my 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 I have an eight year old who rings our doorbell whenever she walks in the house. So I don't know. I don't know what what that is. But anyway, okay, Um, okay. So Roy walks in and he is all handsomed up. Man, he looks good in that suit. And um uh, and he is following Phoebe in. And Phoebe's mom has to go into surgery. Um. And so Roy, uh, and, and, Fe- and Keely will have Phoebe spending a sexy Christmas with them. Phoebe's, I mean, uh, Keeley is really cool with it right away. And Phoebe runs off and says, leave her alone. And she's sad. Okay. Uh, Roy says she's been apparently like this all week and, and, um, he apologizes that her presence will, uh, sort of put a bullet in, um, Uh, take sort of take the air out of sexy Christmas. Um, And so they try to find a day in their schedule where, uh, uh, you know, they can, they can replay sexy Christmas scheduling sex (laughs) as as some of the best couples do. And they find December 28th is the sexiest of all days. And that's where it's going to happen. And then Roy finally turns around and he sees
0: Keely for the first time in her outfit. And he says, Holy fucking shit. You look incredible. I, I I mean I know you made the joke about the scheduling sex. For me, there was a, a really um this made me go, this is a really grown-up relationship. Like I actually appreciated this because like life will life on you. And, you know, we all like to, you know, in, in shows, Valentine's Day always works out. Nobody ever has a conference on Valentine's Day unless we're gonna have hijinks while the other person tries to get there or something like that. And I just I just liked that they, they laid this groundwork. I also think in terms of Keely and Roy, there's some elements of their relationship that, that sort of surface here, not in a negative way, just realities. He's doing his thing. She's doing her thing. This day doesn't work. The next day doesn't work. Oh, wow. We're all the way out to the 28th already. So I, I, this just felt like their relationship generally, I like the adult and by that I mean mature, um, take on it but here i thought this was like a nice glimpse into the realities
1: yeah that's a good point they are they are grown ups um we cut over to the higgins family little st nick is playing on the radio they're opening a bunch of uh presents we see a picture of the late Cindy clawford uh the <laughs> to to sort of put a cap on that um higgins uh it has a clearly surfboard wrapped up and dana higgins uh opens it and is thrilled um and then Terry Higgins opens the door, Merry Christmas and welcome to our home, and it's Sam. And he's an hour early. Uh, the Higginses were about to clean up, and, and he says, I'm sorry, I apologize, um, but he was already in the neighborhood, and he really needs to use the restroom. Um, he's a very lovely guy. Higgins invites him in, and there's all this stuff on the table, mince pies, cheese and crackers. And Higgins says, uh, what Christmas makes him think of back home? And Sam says, colonization which is chef's chef's
0: kiss chef's
1: kiss right um and he's like oh of course um okay uh but i'm more than happy to celebrate the day with you says back home in lagos we have good friends who celebrate and they always eat joff rice and goat meat so i made you some and there's hesitation but he says but i use chicken he says, oh thank god
0: okay um let me just a couple of quick yeah. things here. One is I like like Sam. I feel like they keep showing that Sam is in that between sort of still a kid and being a grown up. So like he has the wherewithal as like an adult to understand like to understand I'm going to someone's home for Christmas. I've been invited for this, you know, special meal. I'll bring something with me. Also though he's kid enough that somehow he ends up an hour beforehand not having thought through that he might have to pee at some point. Like I just thought like it was a cool like he does he doesn't have it all figured out, but he's he's get there. Um kind of a a moment. The other but the other thing that stood out to me was all the favorites. And I think the show does a good job of showing that we have our biases and preferences and sometimes we're aware of them and sometimes we're not so aware of them. Um, there'll be somebody else presenting some stuff in a little bit that gets a slightly different reaction, I, and we'll talk about it then. But I thought the, the show is doing a pretty good job of of making folks good and aware and wanting to get it right, but not that they just sort of, like, know everything and they just happen to, you know, have happened into being the woke brigade because the writers said so.
2: That's interesting that you brought up favorites. The only thing I'm going to add, real quick, but... uh. Sam said that he used uh, bland ass chicken instead of goat meat. And Higgins says, thank God you're happy about the chicken Higgins. You, you didn't get to eat goat meat. You're happy about that.
0: First of all, I'm so excited that you said that because goat is freaking delicious. And if you have it in Jamaican food, like, like curry goat that, I mean, it is lick your fingers. Good. I don't give a damn what anybody says.
2: So goddamn good. Very quickly. Uh, Years ago, I went on vacation with uh, my hetero life mate and his family uh, to Anguilla in the Caribbean. And the hetero life mate and I went out for lunch, just the two of us one day to take a little break from his family. The only restaurant nearby ended up being somebody's house, like a house where somebody lived. And you went inside and they were like, you could sit down at this table. And it was a card table. And then they just brought you out a plate of barbecued ribs. And they were goat ribs. And they were Fucking amazing. Like it wow. was one of the best things I've ever eaten in somebody's living room while there was like a cricket match on in the background.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yes. The end.
0: Well,
1: clearly you guys don't value blandness. So <laughs> 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 like, like I Come didn't on. know we were a, we were an anti bland podcast. Um okay. So um Chris uh Higgins, uh the older uh, oldest of Higgins's uh, children uh, compliments, uh, Sam on the, on the protest against the Dubai air logo. And he says, fuck those guys. And Sam is taken aback because first of all, Sam has mentioned in earlier episodes, he hates cursing and it makes him feel bad when he does it. And Higgins is standing there put on the spot. Like, am I going to scold my child when he clearly has the right response? And Higgins, I think appropriately backs up his son and says, yes, fuck him. And there's a really great, uh, he's, man what a good actor he just like they hold on him and he sells the moment um and it's awkward um and sam reminds Higgins he has to use the restroom
0: i also that, yeah just I, I think there's um now obviously there's in there's there's several levels of culture here but looking at it through an american race lens for a second um it is not at all the norm my understanding of it, unless things have sh- shifted a great deal very recently, is not at all the norm for Black folks. I would think throughout the diaspora, but certainly in America, for it to be cool for like kids to curse. Now that's not true in my house. We're we have a different, you know, we're just sort of like go for it. Understand what's appropriate. Obviously, you know, don't curse where it's inappropriate. But I will say that at one point we had some folks. or it was actually last Thanksgiving. And there was a guy who was sort of being introduced to the group um, during this meal, somebody's uh, hetero uh, life partner. I'm going to totally butcher that. But at any rate, um, our child, who was 16 at the time, dropped an F-bomb. Well, well well placed and appropriate on that level. But i I could just watch this guy's face as he tried to figure out what... Chaotic den he had been thrust into that this child had just cursed in a living room <laughs> on Thanksgiving in front of their parents. Neither of whom seemed the least bit bothered. Like I watched the horror just wash across his face. Like, what the hell is this? Um, so anyway, as that moment happened, I had a good laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude went for it. And I, and I do appreciate, I think there's a weak parent out there who'd be like, you know, uh, Chris, how dare you? In some sort of like bullshit save face moment. And instead, backing the kid made me go, Yeah, see, that's Higgins. I love this guy.
2: You don't even mind the preference for bland chicken.
0: Okay. Uh, we uh, we are now with Ted
1: in his Yuletide chair through two dimensions. I'll be home from Christmas is playing with Dean Martin. Um, he's wearing a Santa hat, uh, uh, which is, and he's opening up a gift from his son Henry over FaceTime and he basically gets a little dartboard and uh, Ted has given uh, Henry a drone and and Henry runs off, leaving Ted alone with his ex-wife. Uh, he so- runs off because he's so excited to try the drone out. And um, so there's this awkward interaction with Michelle and uh, she says you lost him, which is uh, doubly brutal. And... Um, he should have gotten him socks, Ted says. And she asks how he is. And this is this was just again, awkward sort of, sort of time filling. And clearly, uh, Michelle's needed elsewhere and the day is over. Basically, that's the end of the Christmas Zoom. And he said he picks up one of the mini darts that he got from Henry, throws it at the board and it bounces off and does nothing. And he says, shoot. Um, we cut over to a not so sexy Christmas. Um, and uh, Roy and Keely are trying to figure out what's going on with Phoebe. And he, they say, "What have you got to be sad about? Did one of the Paw Patrol dogs die?" Which cracked me up because my kids were. I, did you ever catch that? Uh, did your kids catch Paw Patrol at all, Coach?
0: It wasn't a big one, but yeah, it's definitely in the mix at some point. So yeah, that 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 did make me chuckle.
1: Um, okay, and. Um, uh, keely says phoebe listen problems are like mushrooms yeah the longer you leave them in the dark the bigger they get which i actually really liked i thought it was a great line um phoebe covers her mouth says the boy to school is mean at her and then we have this nice um situation where she shows she shows a card where it says merry christmas phoebe i got you something you desperately need your secret santa bernard bernard and roy's like who the fuck is bernard and He's gonna kill Bernard. Where where does Bernard live? <laughs> Roy's. We're, we're not gonna beat up a little kid. Keely says, um, "Why? Uh, why do you think, fucking knobhead?" Okay. Keely tells Phoebe that some kids are just mean little dickheads, and her breath probably doesn't smell that bad. And Keely goes in to test the stench, and this is a really this is like a tough thing to pull off, where uh, you have to we have to understand the smell, and they have to do it visually, so um i thought that was a it's a trick to pull that off um same way it's like sort of a trick to make us feel emotions via text you know and like we're watching someone text or someone you know it's like it's like a little trick um and she ends up uh (laughs) gag she pulls back and gags roy says oh she feels bad enough and uh, keely's like i tried i really tried and then (laughs) Roy says he spent the last 20 years in locker rooms with sticky man. He promises he smells worse. He gets in close for the smell and there's a really great, like slow blink moment. (laughs) And Roy says, what, what does Roy say in response to the smell of Phoebe's breath boss?
2: I think you might be dying.
1: (laughs) So it's clearly bad. And, um, She's like, this is uh, a feel, uh, Achilles, like, this is a medical condition. This is like not your fault. And Roy comes up with, with something that's going to, I know we're going to hear from boss on this. Um, it's going to drive him, cra- drive her crazy, but I clearly meant to see. this is the tail wagging the dog. Clearly, rather than call a dentist or call Phoebe's dentist, uh, which I'm sure she has at this age. Um, Roy says they're going to handle this by going to his stupid posh neighborhood and start knocking on doors till they find a dentist, uh, because it's, cra- he, I guess, i guess he knows if you call your dentist it's not going to be there on christmas and so uh how would you find a dentist this is what he comes up with they don't find a dentist in 10 houses they both get a thousand quid um i always hated the word quid uh but it's fine okay this uh gets phoebe and keely running to get their coats and and they're into it uh comments boss
2: Yeah, I'll have a few more later. I would like to start by saying, number one, when they walk in in the previous scene, Roy says Phoebe's been like this all week. I want that noted for the record. I would also like to mention at this point that Bernard being a little shithead consisted entirely of him telling everyone that Phoebe's breath was rancid. And then as a secret Santa gift, supplying her with a toothbrush, toothpaste, and mouthwash. I do not believe that that is the most empathetic, nicest way that a person could handle it. But I also think knowing children, that isn't quite as mean as Bernard could have been. Like, I'm not pretending that he's a great kid or that he and I would be best friends, but based on what happens later i want to set up right now that it what the show tells us he did exactly is give her this gift and also tell everyone at school that's why he gave her like th- that's what he's done
0: okay coach yeah no i i i i get that and i i feel like i know when, where and when we're going to have the conversation um i like again roy being on this front, our, a bit of our barometer of where we are on the, how, where are we on the Ted, uh, Rupert scale of manhood at any given moment? And this moment of protecting and wanting to, you know, who hurt you? Um, it made me feel like. This was Roy kind of like edging back to maybe some of what was and needing to be yanked back into. No, 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 no. We're going closer to the Ted end of the spectrum by Keeley, uh, very gently and genteelly saying, Why do you think fucking knobhead? Got it. Yeah. Okay. And
1: I think we're going to, we're going to touch on that a little bit later. Um, uh, Sam, we're back at Higgins Place. Sam is talking to Terry Higgins, finds out Terry doesn't believe in, um, uh, Santa and and you know says he can't possibly deliver presents to everyone in the world one night. And Sam corrects him As the world split up into twenty four time zones. You see Santa's true power is not his speed but his endurance, um, which I thought is a really uh, fun fun point.
0: It's also uh, the uh, it's also another way of saying what's on the uh, the Richmond crest. Slow and steady wins the race. Essentially, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be able to just rattle off the Latin, but he 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 basically says slow and steady wins the race, which is on the wall in the locker room love it okay
1: so we are uh a bunch of people come in now more the doorbell rings more people come into higgins Jan Moss, danny and and richard who has a beautiful unknown woman nameless woman um and steve higgins is immediately captivated by her i i don't know how how much i love generic Nameless, beautiful woman as a character, and that she doesn't get any lines uh whatever, but okay, all right, fine um so Julie Higgins uh thanks them for coming, and uh Danny was happy that he wasn't gonna be spending uh t- spending Christmas alone, and if he, he brings some Mexican punch and if you want to get a little cheeky, you can put tequila in it, and she says, Danny it smells like it already has tequila, and he says, yes, this one is pre cheeky or whatever, so Danny is lovely. Higgins, um, uh, they they all show their different traditions. Foie gras for richer, champagne, fancy stinky cheese. Uh, Jan Moss says he brought fried chicken. Higgins asks if it's a tradition Holland and Jan Moss in,
0: in pure Dutch says no. <clears throat> I thought that that made me laugh out loud. I so this moment just quickly I wanted to highlight that the fancy stinky cheese and the foie gras and the champagne gets even a little dance out of mrs. Higgins right ooh la la high class not our usual, but a step up, but the goat meat not being there was thank God and i and I actually think that was intentional I think like or if it wasn't intentional, I read it and was like, oh isn't that that's like a really interesting commentary that like we 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 are predisposed to think of some things as being high class and above and other things you know we say thank god when we find out they're not there so i i, I that stood out to me
2: that's an excellent point i hadn't caught that and i like that
1: i think it's an average point and i didn't I, care I, for I, it <laughs> <laughs> um okay so to, uh, uh oh yes go uh, boss.
2: i would sorry like to mention only that of the three major plot lines in this episode the dinner at the higgins is definitely my favorite and also um Right after uh, Jan Ma says that it is not a tradition to serve fried chicken in Holland, uh, Zoro walks in saying, hey, I just walked into your neighbor's house by accident. And that's the only line of the entire episode that got a laugh out of me. But I did laugh really hard. Like just the the joy with which he said that uh, alone.
1: Yeah, zero is fun. Um, oh, so now we're, we cut to uh, conversely, and we juxtapose the joy at Higgins' place with Ted's Lonely Christmas. He's stupidly watching It's a Wonderful Life and drinking, um, which is a recipe for disaster. Uh, specifically, he's at the scene as George is about to jump in the water, contemplating, su- contemplating suicide. Um, always a, a great time to watch. And um, Ted looks like hell. We're hearing a scream of help from the TV. And then there's a th- uh something hits his window and he opens it up and it's Rebecca. She's written out, Hi Ted, in some green and red tinsel on the ground. Um uh, she asks how FaceTime Christmas with Henry is going kindly, as if it's the present tense. Uh if it were, she would not be there. Um uh but she had a sense earlier that this wasn't gonna go that way, and Ted admits that it didn't. Um, he lost him to an overpriced guilt gift, he says. Hubris, thy name is Ted. Rebecca tells him to grab a coat. He's coming with her. And he's like, thank God. Like, I think he's just relieved to, to do that. Um, and then we hear Last Christmas playing in the distance. For me, um, I came into this episode expecting the worst thing I should have ever seen. And to this point, I was kind of like, okay, this is fine. And then this song in the background started to kill the episode for me weirdly um Tonally, um there was this I guess like I started to go, what the fuck like I don't believe this, I don't believe Rebecca has access to tinsel, and even if she did, I don't think she's gonna write it out. I'm like the street looks too clean or we I'm like were there not enough extras i I'm like I don't get what happened here for me, but there was some sort of shift in the episode where I just started to not buy it um Ted and Rebecca are walking out. I, I sort of like didn't believe the staging of the people on the on the road, and I'm like I was like taking me out of out of it. Um, Ted mentions uh, the next word I really hate: buskers. I really wish there was a better word for street performers. I use street performers because I never I think buskers. I don't know why it bothers me so much. I hate that word. Um, I will say he says uh, it reminds him of the movie Once. And Once was a huge hit, and I was living in L.A. at the time, and I remember seeing the movie. The movie is like a beautiful, if you haven't seen it, watch Once. It was shot for $150,000 and ended up being an international smash hit. Uh, It's a. Have either of you seen Once, by the way?
2: Yes, saw it, loved it. I was going to mention that in this scene, I don't like It's a Wonderful Life. I do love Once, and that should probably tell you something about my emotions. Or lack thereof, but I thought yeah, no, once, once was is a,
1: br- a beautiful.
0: No, it's amazing, beautiful, and,
2: amazing, lovely. Loved everything about it.
0: Okay,
1: uh, Co- and coach, you don't know once.
0: I have not seen once, but I just imme- like it might be it might just be white list. people.
1: It might might be white people nonsense, but it's a love story. That's really funny. It's a beautiful story about a couple of musicians in in Ireland, and 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 it's a it's got all these sort of it's it's very. Um, I don't it, know it, if I would.
2: It's about collaborating artistically. They make an album together, and mm. it's about their relationship through the music. I think is the best way of saying it. Oh, okay. Yeah, they get
1: really close through the through the music. And, and um, I so when I was living in L. A., they came and the people in the film <laughs> brought it to L. A. and then performed live. Whoa, the two leads, and I was like for. Uh, you know, like seats away or something. Some, we had like amazing. I don't know how we got. It was just amazing, mm-hmm. and it was a huge hit. I remember, like, you couldn't. This was like one of the hottest tickets in town. Which you know, that's an LA thing, but like, you, yeah, you, you know what I mean. It's like, but you could not get these tickets, and yeah, yeah, we yeah. managed to get them. And it was full of like every third person was a celebrity. It would not surprise me if Sudeikis was in there and Brendan Hunt. Like, you know, they, it was just so. It was such a cultural moment at that time. And the two people who, who uh uh the the male and female lead in the movie had fallen in love in real life and were together in real life. So everybody was like dying because you're just like, oh my God, like this is the, the best thing ever. Um they are now not together.
0: Okay. So I I just so. and it may be a bit on the nose and and not to but I want like the the fact that we're watching the scene we're watching um, in terms of it's a wonderful life and that that is when Rebecca shows up. I mean, I think, you know, she, that she is, she is saving him ha- about to jump in or she has jumped in and said, Hey, come save me. But at any rate, two people who would otherwise be alone are now going to be together. And I, I think that's significant.
2: I think that that's very significant. And Even though there's a lot about this episode that I don't care for, I did like very much that Rebecca showed up to take care of Ted, if nothing else, because for me, it called back to Sassy showing up on Rebecca's anniversary to take care of her so Mm -hmm. that she wouldn't be alone. Sassy had been alone on the anniversary during her divorce. She went to go take care of Rebecca. Rebecca is paying it forward, Mm -hmm. which I believe is very much a Ted Lasso thing.
0: I love that. I really, really love that. I think it's good. And I also think,
1: like, we don't see enough um, platonic friendships between men and women portrayed yeah. on television. Just yeah. period. We don't. And I I cringe every time there's this, you know, people have this ongoing thing, like, it, it, the show's going to put Rebecca and Ted together, and that's how it's going to end up. And I really hate that. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, uh, And I don't know if the once reference is a, is a tip-off, like, that it might, but anyway, I, oh, wow. I, I hope not. I certainly hope not. Anyway. Um, go ahead, coach.
0: Yeah. Just quickly. I'm going to toss in. And I'm very torn on that point. There've been, there've, I won't take you through my theory on it, on some things I've seen that made me feel that's where we may be inevitably heading, but I think, and this is, this gets into us, you know, in our conversations around trusting the writers and letting the show be what it is and all that kind of stuff. I think if, it goes that way. My suspicion is that ultimately we will feel it was earned, that it wasn't will they, won't they, and it isn't going to be like, well, how could they, because they've both seen each other be another romantic. Like I, if they were to get together, I feel like it would be the healthiest resolution that we've, that that we've witnessed on a, on a show in a very long time. So I guess I'm saying I I cringe at the possibility because I could see the hacky version of it and wanting to jump off something tall. But I also think that it might just be you think you don't want this, but when we give it to you the way we're going to give it to you, you're going to ultimately love it. I, I'm shuddering, but OK, I, I love your
1: uh, undying support for the writing staff and the producers. and That's great. I love it. Love it. hope you're right. Uh uh, nothing would make me happier than to feel satisfied at the end of this uh, after the second season i I wonder I wonder I wonder but um I wendy I Wanda I wonder have you guys seen uh, <laughs> a fish called Wanda by any chance recently
0: I've not seen it recently but that used to be one of my favorite movies so yeah yeah great that was brilliant. a line from that
1: I wendy I won I wendy I Wanda, I wonder I wonder um
0: okay uh so
1: they go to these buskers who are playing, and the music is killing me as I'm listening. I'm like, this is killing my mood so much. Ted throws down a couple of coins. Rebecca throws down like a million dollars to the point where they go, oh, shit. And then Ted says, I guess that's what I get for taking a tinkle next to John Holmes.
0: <laughs> that was a very interesting joke. What was, was your at- take on that, Coach?
1: Yeah, not not a fan. Not a fan. But. Uh, I will say um, I was at the uh, uh, premiere of Dodgeball, the movie Dodgeball, and I had to go to the bathroom. And I walked into the urinals and you, you famously keep your eyes averted and don't look at anybody. And for some reason, I looked over next to me to my right and Henry Winkler was peeing. <laughs> what? The, the fa- like an That's iconic, so crazy. The fonts, like the fonts, like whatever. And Henry Winkler, if you don't know, is... Largely, widely considered one of the best people in town. Like, one of the best people in Hollywood. And he somehow turns his head to see me looking at him. And a huge smile comes across his face. And he goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> like that. That's and I was great. like, "That this is this is the greatest, greatest thing that's ever happened to me. So, anyway. Um, I just wanted to humble brag because I got to talk to Henry yeah, Wainwright.
2: Yeah. No, I would tell that story all the time.
1: He's the best. He's the best. He's the best. Anyway. Um, So they say Merry Christmas and they walk off to the buskers. Ted makes a joke about Rebecca driving herself and how it's a Christmas miracle. The guy, the wanker guy comes by Ted calls Ted a wanker, but says Merry Christmas afterwards, then gives him the finger. Um, Rebecca stunned that he called Ted a wanker. and says, yeah, it's an inside joke, mostly inside of him.
0: That made me laugh. I know. I, I, I'm going to just get on in here right now and take my lumps because that was some serious dad joke humor, and it made me laugh. Like, I laughed out loud.
1: My kids brought home a dad joke book, and it was on the k- kitchen table, and I walked down, and they're like, oh, yeah, dad jokes. And they know, like, I don't like puns or dad jokes or whatever. And I – uh, in, in, just to make a demonstration of how little I like dad jokes, I, I walked down silently. Everyone was sitting at the table – And I picked up the dad joke book, and I walked over to the sliding doors, and I opened them up, and I threw the dad joke book onto the lawn (laughs) and then closed it. (laughs) Because dad jokes are hell. And I'm so (sighs) resentful that they are attributed to dads, and that what happens to men as they age is they get stupid and corny, and that it's actually – that's why they're attributed to dads. It makes me crazy.
2: I will actually agree with you in being upset that it's attributed to dads because those are my favorite jokes and I will make them every goddamn time. And I am the least dad person that I am. Oh, no, those you don't get to have those dads. Those aren't dad jokes. Those are M jokes. It's bullshit.
0: I like
1: it. I really, really like. And that. you want to claim that I, I, like. Yeah, OK.
2: I'm going to tell you a joke one time and you're going to get so mad at me. We never might never speak again. When I need to end this relationship, I have the joke in mind already.
1: Just trust. Oh my God. My God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my
0: God. I love that so much.
1: Okay. We get an inside of the Tower Bridge from episode one. If you remember, Ted, uh, when they first uh, had a terrible dad, wasn't there a terrible dad joke in episode one of season one
0: about the Tower Bridge? I'm well, to yeah, because it's question. not, you know, it's not the London Bridge.
2: Yes. Because it, it's still up, so
0: it's not the London Bridge. Oh, boy. Okay. Um Now we're
1: back with uh, Roy and Keely and Phoebe, and they're knocking on doors to find a dentist. Um The first boy says, whoa, Roy Kent, are you going to sing? No, we're not carolers. Says, is your mom or dad a dentist? No, they're lawyers. He says it figures. Um And then there's a nice moment uh, where Roy – Phoebe says it's embarrassing to her. Roy says, no, this isn't embarrassing. His embarrassing is me eating so much ice cream at a birthday party, knowing I'm no good with dairy. Um, which, uh, I love that. I'm no good with dairy that my whole family is lactose intolerant, including me. And, um, I've never thought of that, like framing it that way. Like, I'm no, I'm no good with dairy. Like, that's not what I'm good at. I'm good. I kind of love that. Um, and he says, I'm no good with dairy, uh, knowing that I'm no good with dairy, that I put my pants on the bus. Keely says, finish the story. And what does Roy say, coach?
0: Three weeks ago, (laughs) which made me, I mean, so I laughed. I, I 100% laughed. But what I loved about it, and it's a thing I'm aware of in my coaching, my storytelling, when you share your struggle, it really can be helpful to people. Now, it's a it's a it's a you got to know how to do it. You got to pay attention because you got to tell the story for their benefit, not for your benefit. That's the trick. And people can tell the difference. Um, but I love that he was like, "Okay, how do I get you to get one that I know what it feels like to feel embarrassed, and two that we need you to keep going anyway? Like you're not alone. We all know what that feels like. I, there, there's just such a, a a basic empathy in his telling, choosing to tell that story right then, because it, you you could write this scene where Keeley goes." Oh, you don't get being embarrassing, huh? How about, you know, you know what I mean? But for him to volunteer, the story is him saying, I will not leave you alone on, you know, essentially embarrassment island.
1: Yeah, well, that was great. God, I love Roy Kent. I seriously, I it's like why I watch this show. Anyway, um, he he says this story three weeks ago, and then we realized the boy from the little boy from the door who has la- lawyers as parents has not closed the door. And he says, you poop your pants, Roy Kent? And and then DeRoy goes, yeah, so, like, typical Roy fashion. And the kid says, I do, too, sometimes. And, you know, he looks so intimidating. He says, well, let's both try and knock that off, shall we? If you can do it, I can do it. Cool. And the kid is cool. And I was like, oh, that is a, goddamn! that's good.
0: And how far is that? I mean, can we play that scene a thousand times with Rupert and you never get that? And I, I think that's significant.
1: For sure. Absolutely. Um, now we're back to the Higginses. Uh, they're having an epic nerf war. This made me so mad um, when I first watched it. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I was so irritated by this nerf war. Um, because I'm like, we are burning precious time. Where the fuck is the cerithium oil? Where I, I, I hadn't, to this point, gotten over the fact like nothing was moving forward. Uh, and now when I watch it, the second uh, – or the most recent time, um, you know, I-, I thought it was charming. Danny says along to Zero, I don't think we're going to make it. Tell my incredibly beautiful wife that I love her. I'm not going to do that because you'll tell it yourself. Then you're going to hook me up with her identiflued. I- it was such great movie, you know, like standard movie bullshit. Um, good luck, me amigo. Bon chance, mon ami. They shake and then – uh, Terry Higgins comes over and, and uh, yells, eat, Nerf, and then annihilates them. Um, Santa Baby is playing. We move to the living room where D- uh, Daniel and- Coach, real,
0: real quick, because I yeah. do think it's significant. I thought this was a really interesting choice to have gunplay here. And in part because it is it's such a male genre, if you want to mean the movies. It's such a male thing to do to like, hey, let's all pretend to kill each other. That'll be fun for the next hour. And, and But at the same time, I think it felt to me like they went out of their ways to have out of their way to have them say eat nerf to keep it uh playful and so and i and i and i do think there's something around figuring out like again from a different angle how to be a dude and have the fun that dudes sometimes have together and i thought that was awesome playing with a kid like that i could see myself doing something like that at the same time you know figuring out how to balance that without without turning, you know, with not turning the kid into all the things we would hope men won't be going forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A great, it's a great point. And, it, and it's so, um, all you need for that to happen for that sort of, uh, y- you know, devolution into an outright nerf turf war is for one person to get shot with one nerf thing and then the That's shit is it. on. It's off. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, uh, t- re- very quickly, um, uh, two two quick points. It, it is so it is so horrific what is going on with firearms and guns in, in this day and age in in this country, and, and we can't uh talk about it enough. Um, we're not going to get into too, into it too much, but the times have changed so much that I was watching. Um, I have a seventeen year old daughter. I was watching The Big Lebowski with her, and there's this scene in the beginning where John Goodman pulls out a a, a pistol because there was an infraction on another person at a foot uh, they were at a league game and the guy bowled next to them and there was a footfall and um, he was
2: over the line smoking so
1: he was over the line. that's it that's exactly right that's right boss he was over the line sorry you're over the line, smoking i growing up i was like this is the funniest fucking thing like it's so insane that someone would pull a gun over a bowling thing. And my, and from that point on, my daughter couldn't relax because she has lived in a world where school shootings are reality. And she just lived in a life. that She, she didn't, she couldn't like the movie after that. It wasn't like she did. She's like, I understand this is great, but like that was so hard to watch and that I couldn't like John Goodman's character after that. And I was like, Oh my God, Walter subject. You're talking about like a great, one of the most interesting, you know, well-written characters in film history. And she could, couldn't get to it. So that was the one thing. And, and another thing I'll say is like, when I got married years and years and years ago, we had uh, everybody up to like a an inn in um Vermont. And what I wanted for the, I always hate, I hate rehearsal dinners because I think like, I just don't know what, I, anyway, it doesn't matter why. But I was like, I have an idea for what, what my rehearsal dinner is going to be. and what we did was we had all these tables so like every everybody was invited to the rehearsal dinner everybody who's going to the wedding cuz people were coming up for the weekend so it was like you know several hundred people at a rehearsal dinner and then off to the side in plain sight were like hundreds a pile as high as 6 feet high of fully filled water guns like super soaker water guns so you had this vast thing and I didn't say anything about it. I didn't say, we're after this, we're going to shoot each other with guns. You know, like, nothing like that. It was just this one thing where, you know, one troublemaker wandered over and picked up, uh, you know, some little nothing and shot some little, you know, kid with water or somebody. I don't even remember. I don't know how it started. But you had women in, like, gowns running around with super soakers. And everybody was soaked. And makeup was running down people's face. And it was so much fun and and i'm like god what a shame that we've you know how it's all devolved and you know it's just terrible like that that was like a it was a great memory and the pictures are like unbelievable and you know you know you just go oh god it's such a such a shame but anyway
0: well no i hear you on that there's something i want to toss in and it just hit me with you talking about the the, you know sort of the gun piece here the way you just did and the earlier piece around the alcohol and something that i never would have guessed and my mother uh went on to the whatever's beyond this world without knowing. I think my mother may have been the first person to help me be a critical viewer of things. So I probably wouldn't even be on this podcast without her, never mind, never having been born. But like, I remember my mother hating, Like it was a staple of 70s shows. There was always the getting drunk episode. So-and-so drank such and such, but it had alcohol in it, or so-and-so, whatever. And the the joke was, oh, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Look at this drunk person, you know, slurring or stumbling or laughing or the lampshade or whatever. And I just remember my mother just continually saying, "That's not funny to me." Wow, and and, and she would sort of go on with us about like she was like, "That's not, I don't find that funny." And she and like very serious, like it wasn't like alcohol is no, it wasn't that. It was just like, why is the joke? Why is the joke in itself that this person is drunk? That's not funny. And the other thing that when she was saying it to me, I looked at her and thought like, why did I have to have the least cool mom of every mom who's ever lived? (laughs) She was so against gun play, having guns, toy guns, anything with guns. Now there's some built-in cultural stuff and police and whatever that might've been at play, but it was deeper than that. It was her going, again, that's not funny. Like why why in all with all the things you could be doing, playing, having, holding, imagining, why are we handing you a toy gun? So it, it it's interesting to uh to think back on that. But yeah, I think my, you know, she was not necessarily. I wouldn't say she voted for my film studies uh major. Uh but in a way, I maybe in some way she sent me along that path. That's amazing. Love it.
1: Um, we, God, we could talk about that. We could have a whole podcast about this. So I'm just going to move on to, uh, Dana and Rashard are playing FIFA. Um, and we have, we have a, a shot of the beautiful woman that Rashard, uh, his date that he brought with him. Um, and she's eating, eating something. Uh, it's just like a, it's like a wafer with, she sucks the wine off of it or something.
0: And I thought it was a cinnamon um, stick, but I, that yeah, really or, is that me. what it was? Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've seen it looked like a rolled up something, and sometimes I've seen wafers in that with like they have hazelnut cream in the middle of them. Or yeah, maybe it was a cinnamon stick. Maybe is that what it was? What was on the end of it that she sucked off?
2: I think that it was a cinnamon stick because they mentioned mulled wine earlier. And if that's you have mulled wine okay. without a cinnamon stick, like
1: that's like a rutabaga level crime.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't- if- if we're going to get into the Chambers family food crimes, I'm going to send you a picture of my jello salad later. The rutabaga is absolutely nothing compared to that monstrosity, and it's delicious.
1: I at some point, uh, for no other reason than than therapy, I would love to be invited to a Chambers family event so that I sure. can just be be horrified. Oh,
2: that's Sure, no question. <laughs> by,
1: by the the puns and the jello uh food and uh, I mean I'd say food in quotes sure um, mm-hmm.
2: i wow i I feel like what I should warn you about right now is that at at least a few points throughout the holiday dinner, somebody will make the joke about uh there not being a tablecloth at which point somebody else will say, "God damn it, Kyle." Go upstairs and get a non-fitted sheet and put it on the table. <laughs> which is what my mom said to my youngest brother one year when he said he couldn't find a tablecloth. So that's what that, that's where we're at. God damn it, Kyle, get a non-fitted sheet and put it on the table.
0: My bucket list just grew. Just sure. That, sure, just everybody's that there. invited. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so awesome. It's so awesome. Um I'm um, anyway. The front <laughs>
1: Horrific. Uh, The the French believe that having a beautiful woman around is always a good thing, says Richard. And Yanma says that was not true with the helter skelter murders.
0: What is wrong with him? Wow. Okay. Uh, I laughed. I
1: was. Oh, I did too. But
0: that is a crazy comment. That is so funny.
1: Okay. Now we have a lot of people. More people showing up. um, And you know, Higgins is the is the happening spot. Um, And now we're back to Ted and Rebecca. Uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas is playing. Um, they open Rebecca's trunk and there's a bag full of presents. Uh, Rebecca is now wearing an elf hat uh, to to compliment Ted's Santa hat. Uh, they ring a doorbell. A young girl answers. Uh little girl says uh to her mom that there are two white people at the door and they're smiling. The mother asks what they're doing at her door. And then there's a nice little thing where Rebecca says they work for Santa Claus and, the, the stuff was late uh, and, and it was a, it was a mistake and their elves making sure that, you know, the little girl had written a note asking for certain toys and they are providing them and they apologize that there's a day early. Uh Ted has a little thing about, Oh, this is, this bag has been around. I, I was expecting him to hand a present, but he hands the whole fucking bag. I was like, what is, what the fuck? I was like, okay. uh, Holy shit. Okay. um, and, and That's a lot of toys. of And, Ted says, "Oh, you smell that? this the Himalayas right there." Um, Ted hands her the whole sack, and the little girl asks if she's getting hints of Beijing. And I was like, "Bull, fucking shit!" I, I wasn't oh, in this storyline. Really? Line. Yeah. Was, tell me. Tell, was, me
0: was, tell me. Tell me. Tell me. I want to hear this. Yes.
1: I, I was not into this storyline anyway. I don't. I don't understand what I feel like. Oh my god! And I have such respect for this writing staff, but I go, "Did anyone think about this? Like this? This is like... So wait. So Rebecca go." Does she have eight thousand? Does she have like a Harry Potter car with nine million bags that fit into this (laughs) fucking clown car? Like what? What is? What are we? uh, One present I could like. She gives giant sacks of presents to anyone, and there's a little girl who who is enough of a sommelier that she says hints of Beijing. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? What am I watching?
0: What is this? Uh, All right. So okay, I hear you. I'm not gonna. I I I see that, and I I get you. What I took from it, it made me smile because it's so, like it made me go, "Oh, a smart little kid," and I I, so I smiled at that. But as I thought about it on this, there's rewatch,
1: no, you're a, you're a father. You know damn well there's no such thing as a smart little kid.
0: That's really funny, and <laughs> I have story after story to totally back up your point. Um, but <laughs> when you find yourself saying. Hey, there's no standing on your sister's head. You go, did I want to be a parent or did I just yeah. <laughs> think I wanted to be a parent? Because I did not know that was a rule I had to make, but there we are, it's officially a rule. Um, but I but I what I liked about it because the first line "There white people at the door w- was funny. What I liked about Hints of Beijing. Yeah, no, I was that. I was there. fine. White Pill door is good. That's no, a no, big no. social comment. Yeah, yeah, no, I no, like but, that, yeah, But what I think they may have run the risk of, and I felt like the joke, the Hints of Beijing line was intended to like counter, is like, oh, here are these poor black people. This kid hasn't been beyond like the corner of her street. So she doesn't, you know what I mean? So to me, the hints of Beijing is like, I don't know, maybe at some point she's been at some restaurant or something or she's whatever, I she watches. This, stuff. To, to I, head I off it, the white I, savior I, bullshit. I think, that, I think yeah. that was what they were doing there. I, I don't know that, but that was w- when I rewatched, I thought, oh yeah, I, I could see why you'd want to make sure to put something there that said, this isn't, yeah, pure white savior stuff. It's human to human not let's help the, the the black kid who clearly won't have Christmas without us.
1: Yeah, no, I, I actually that's probably a great choice then, and and if that's the if that's what the goal was, then certainly that's better than the alternative. You know, later on they give there's a montage and they give a a uh, well, it's not later on, it's right after this. Um, we do a doorbell montage, a, a cross cutting between uh, Keely and, and um. Oh, wait, this has come right up or is it? No, we get a little scene first here. Uh No, it is. It's right now. Sorry. It's right now. We get a cross-cutting scene between Keeley and Roy and Phoebe ringing, looking for a dentist. And then uh uh Ted and, and uh, Rebecca giving entire bags of, of toys. And a couple of them, I was like, they opened the door and I was like, God, that looks like a wealthy house that they're giving toys to. Like once I looked inside the door, I'm like, that looks like a nice house. Um, and i was like mm-hmm. okay, what is mm-hmm. the, what is the social co- like okay so they give it to it's not like a so like an economic status thing anyway i was like uh why am i what uh anyway uh I, I, whatever whatever I, I was trying to enjoy it I, re- I really was and if hints of beijing was meant to head that off okay i told then that's actually pretty smart it just was like uh why why am i here and why are we burning precious minutes but it's fine the montage comes carol the bell plays over the top uh they get, they finally get to uh, a place where they're at the final house. Uh, what do they say? 10 houses. If we don't find it by the 10th one, um, that made me think, okay, so Rebecca and Ted went to 10 houses since we're cross cutting and, um, they had 10 bags of cars, uh, of, of toys in the car or whatever. Um, Keely says they can't lose. Either they find out why your breath is rancid or they get a thousand pounds each. Um, and, uh, Phoebe says that's like a month of swear words, which, which is stunning how many times Roy <laughs> swears. Um, Roy is limping in the background. I was like, this is something I was interested in. He has to pop his knee back into place, cracks it to the side. Do you have anything like that, by the way, coach or, or boss? Do either one of you have something you pop back in a la Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon.
0: I back my upper back. I like backslash neck. I have a. Uh... I Sometimes got to get things lined back up, so it can be it, it can be pretty loud. And uh, how do you line it up? My wife just kicks me out when I do it. Uh, I put my hand like near like the side of my head, but toward the back, and then I press against it, and then press my head toward my hand. Like just the force of that gets everything aligned back up. You got anything
1: like that, boss?
2: Oh, oh. Um. Well, actually, it sounds like you're like cracking your neck into place. Coach Bishop
0: kinda I, yeah,
2: yeah, I have been able to do um i it's not that I pop it back into place, but um if I bend my knees, they crack, and it's been that way like forever it wasn't an injury it's just i I've always crackled, I guess
1: I love that you do you crack you sparkle <laughs> for us boss I
2: spark, I sparkle and I crackle, <laughs> and also when um the first time I met the hetero life mate, I cr- bent down and my knee cracked and he was like, ah, Jesus, what the hell is that? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not that old. I'm still a young person, but I tried to play it off. Can you like, pick
1: up my patella off the ground over there?
2: Yeah, exactly. Did
1: you say that? I, you? I, you know, <laughs> I was, just watch I was, out. They shoot off sometimes.
2: I was like, God damn, 23 years old. And I sounded like a senior citizen, but I tried to play it off to him. I was like, oh, um. So I swam in high school. It's an old swimming injury. And he's like, a swimming injury? And I was like, uh, yeah, well, um, I swam breaststroke. And you need to do this, like, different kick where you kick out to the side. So now I have a bad knee and it cracks. I, like, um, I injured myself doing sports because I'm very athletic and sporty. He was like, oh, that's interesting because I swam competitively for 14 years. Oh. And I've never heard anybody say anything like that. Oh, I was like, Oh well, I didn't know that you swam, so I lied. That was a lie that I just told you to be impressive. And oh,
0: that's awesome!
2: I, but he still picked me, so I guess it worked.
0: Wow, I love that story. He must love liars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh evidence would support that. Yes, yeah. No, I'm I'm a liar, and I think he likes me,
1: boss. That's that's like the bad scene in in a um like terrible rom com where someone's like oh yeah, I studied French literature to some oh, of them, you know, they and they're like speak, and then the man or yeah. the woman like speaks fluently French to them and they go, oh, fuck like that's the no. same thing
2: No, that's exactly it. Also, at a later date, I'll share the story with you um, about the time I was trying to text a friend of mine after a date uh, to let her know how it had gone and oh, accidentally no. texted oh, my no. date all of the information oh, Yes no. Yes, that is a thing I did do in real life.
1: When you grow up on a jello based diet, <laughs> your mind can tend to... <laughs>
0: uh,
1: there's a problem, is what I'm saying. Um,
2: also, I, I don't want to bring the mood down too much. I just want to say I didn't like Ted and Rebecca's storyline at all, in large part because it seems like this is some sort of charitable act. I have worked in nonprofits for the majority of my... Career. This is not how these things are handled. You would not give the home address of a needy person to a rich person and say, hey, go ahead and show up anytime on Christmas and give them a bunch of gifts. Like, it's so wildly unrealistic and leads to privacy and security issues and centering the giver of the gifts at the center of this process rather than the person who needs the gifts. Like, I, I couldn't stand any of it. It wasn't even my least favorite, but I, I couldn't watch it because I was like, that's not how these things work. And it felt like one of those instances where if the writers needed to kill their darling. Like, I understand that this is a cute plot and that you want Ted and Rebecca to be doing something nice, but this is not it. You needed to kill this plot line and figure something else out.
0: You know, I think it would Coast be cosine. easy no, I don't know. But I think it would be easy and I think too simplistic to say, oh, you know, they're just showing that. It's no big deal. But I do think in terms of the football we watched played on the pitch um, and several other elements of the show, there are some le- – they do go to some lengths to, to get it right. And so I do think you're on to something there, boss. Yeah. that th- th- it, You know – Obviously, it was to set up the sequence, right? We've got the carol of the bells. We've got the cutting back and forth. I can imagine being in a room when somebody thinks of this and everybody's like, yes, yes,
2: yes that's what we're going to do.
0: And yeah, so I see what you're saying. And I, I I, think that's a fair critique.
2: And it just feels like one of those things. I understand that it's niche and that if I weren't involved in the nonprofit industry, I wouldn't have thought about it. Uh, but because I am, it, like it bothered me the whole time. There's a a 30 Rock episode where Liz Lemon like focuses on the fact that she's about to give away all of these presents. And that's why her Christmas is going to be important. So she goes to the apartment and she hands all the presents to an adult black man. And then Tracy Jordan says, that's a scam. That guy doesn't have kids. He's going to resell those. So Liz goes back to the apartment and there are two little boys playing with the toys. And she's like, oh my God, I did that for you. I brought those presents. And the kids are like, you brought the, Santa was supposed to is Santa not real and then the dad comes over and he's like what the hell are you doing to my children on Christmas and like that the entire scene was all I could think of oh, when wow. Ted and Rebecca were doing this like you're you're making their Christmas about you and don't do that it's not about you it's about the little kids getting their presents.
0: all right well argued yeah okay
1: hey thanks oh my god I do I agree with you for once boss
2: you, you should, because I am right about this one. There are other things that are because of my dead, cold heart, but this one is correct.
1: Yeah, I'm going to defer to your uh, professional expertise on this one. Um, so uh, when they get they get to the 10th house, um, Roy cracks his knee. Oh, I was going to say, I have a thing with my back where I lean on. It's mostly sinks and countertops where I just lean back and crack it in. And I come to find the, it's, it's to the point where like, I look for things at a certain height and a certain level of strength. So like I might see a railing in a mall or like it's the weirdest thing where I'm like, Oh, I could crack my back. And, um, uh, apparently Juliana's grandfather used to do the exact same thing. Like the sink is usually the best place. I don't know why, but yeah. And so it's like this weird thing where it's like acceptable. Thank God, because her grandfather (laughs) used to put his back into place uh, in the same way. Um, Uh, but yeah, I have, I have so many things that I have to pop back in. I remember going to torn labrums in both shoulders and going to this doctor and, and he's like, oh yeah, you show uh, evidence of like multiple dislocations in both shoulders. And I was like, what does that mean? What are multiple dislocations? And he's like, I don't know, 40, 50. Yeah. I was like, oh, and I was a hockey player, football, lacrosse, like a million wrestling, tons of tons of sports when I was a kid. But just like like, like the thing just popped. I didn't even know it was coming out. You know what I mean? So God knows how I put it back in or whatever. So anyway, um, I really related to the the Roy popping his knee back in. Um, And so we get to the door. uh, Finally, the 10th place. Woman says, are you Roy Kent? He says, yeah. Are you a dentist? And she says, yeah. And a uh, very, very uh, quick side note is – in the first episode on the plane. Ted's heading to England. There's a kid that asks him for an ussy. Do you guys remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Actor named Bill Skinner. This woman that plays the dentist is Bill Skinner's real life mother. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. Oh. And so, okay. 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 Yeah. All right. You can look up uh, anyone who's interested. There's a. I think it's an LA Times article. Um, uh, uh about uh, inside Ted Lasso Christmas and you can read the whole thing anyway um they go in deck the halls is, play, is playing and she, we cut to her, uh, the, the the dentist uh sort of with a face mask checking Phoebe's mouth and she congratulates on her spectacularly bad breath and she asks you know a bunch of questions has she been under any usual stress um uh Phoebe says not if she does her breathing exercises she says have you been smoking um, Phoebe says no any new medications Phoebe just has antihistamines because she got a cat quickly
0: coach goes. on the yeah. on the smoking thing I thought it was I thought it was cool to have again sort of like things of the time and dealing with kids that Phoebe giggles like it's just unthinkable and a ridiculous question to her in itself but we've talked to um, Sassy's daughter whose name is not coming to me right this second Nora dang it say it again Nora Nora. Nora, Sorry. So we have so we have Phoebe Giggle here. It's a completely ridiculous question. But we've also just met Nora an episode or so ago and saying, oh, yeah, that time that she was smoking in the bathroom and now she's got a story to share. So, I, you know, I think in terms of like showing development stuff and like where people are in their different phases of life, I thought it was an interesting marker.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. I, I, I was going to say about Nora too. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say the things I complained about with some of Nora's dialogue choices were reminiscent of notes of Beijing for me, where it's like, ah, oh, God, mm. that feels like it was written by someone who doesn't have kids, but whatever. doesn't, mm-hmm, it doesn't, mm-hmm, I could be mm-hmm. wrong. It could be, well, it can't be. I think what I don't know if, oh, Sudakis has kids. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
2: Oh, um, okay. um, Brendan Hunt does have one son. I shouldn't know that, but of course I do. <laughs> also, I, 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 but the point is, um, I think one of the issues with the lines that they give to the kids is that it seems a lot like something an adult would think is cute for a kid to say mm-hmm. rather than something organic that a kid would say that would be cute.
0: Mm-hmm. I get that. I get that.
1: Okay. So um, Phoebe um, uh, might have to give up her cat, the, the dentist suggests, and she says they're soulmates. And Keely jumps in. You know, Roy's like, you only had her a month. And Keely says, listen, no one's going to make her get rid of uh, Dauphine, the cat, because that would be an insane thing for your uncle who loves you, who is not a monster, to suggest. Um, I'm sure Dr. Rogers has another solution because she's nice and smart and science is real and it's Christmas. And then we cut to the Aussie kid who's in there and it turns out his it's his uh, family and can I get another Aussie? I mean, you're a legend at Chelsea, but but shit at Richmond. So he's the Aussie kid is as brutal as um he was with Ted and remember Ted just rolled with it, but uh Roy is decidedly not Ted, and Roy will knock his teeth down his throat um uh, and keely uh but keely Jones was a seminal figure through my teenage years, lots of things to be triggered by there um and uh Keeley makes sure that Roy is in control, and Roy says by the tree, which i didn't not get I was like, is that a cultural reference what a, what is that um
0: I don't know. I, I just took it as him getting Keeley's point that we're going to take a nice picture with these people who have helped us, and we're going to leave. Roy, right? like I, I didn't take it as. So I just said, like I, I took it as him going. Yes, that would be lovely. Let's get that picture taken. Not that there was a significance to buy the tree beyond that, but I, you know, could be wrong, and have spent exactly zero days uh, across the pond, so could I could have a whole other level that that's lost on me
1: got it um okay we're back we uh we cut to the
0: one thing I did want to add coach is that our ussy friend showed up one other time which was to uh make Jamie aware that Ted had been talking about him so um I didn't this was probably my least favorite part of this episode I just thought like really coincidentally that how I mean I got that the coincidence is the joke but you that don't like probably, a good Koenki dink? That was probably my least favorite moment. Maybe in the series now that I've started, but I, I definitely in this episode. Wow.
1: Wow. What a thing to say by you, uh, of all people, that you had a <laughs> least favorite moment. God. This ship is really sunk. Um, all right. So we cut back to Higgins's and Sam gets some of his goat meat from Tommy, who has made uh, the, the meal properly um, in the Nigerian fashion um they're using a surfboard and a pool table as make sure dinner tables uh it's very lovely um and um we we cut to Roy and Keely and Phoebe outside a drugstore and I, it doesn't say how they found the the pharmacist but she now has her medication and then Roy asks if he can get some poster board and markers and he says for another 100 quid so it's like a 100 bucks to get in to get the medicine on Christmas and then another hundred bucks for markers and anyway. Um we cut back to Ted and Rebecca and he's had a great day and thanks Rebecca for letting him tag along and uh he says how long have you let him uh doing this she says for years but then Rupert you know and I should have done it last year but I sat myself drinking and plotting horrible things.
0: Um he says oh yeah like what? I love that moment. I thought that was like Yeah, that that, their their friendship is means a lot to me actually at this point, and that that the jokes you can make with a friend where no one else would fully understand the joke, period. Uh, But I just thought that was a great. I just thought that was a great uh, recalling of what what brought them together in the first place. Nice.
1: Uh, Yeah. That's really funny. It's cute. Um, uh, look, I, I know how well stunningly shitty the first Christmas after you get divorced can be. I want to make sure you're okay, which is great. Another thing about like what Sassy did for her, but Christmas. Um, you know, I am now, he says. I'm I'm uh, he says, I want to make sure you're okay. He says, Yeah, well, I am now, you know, a lot better than I would have been if I just drank whiskey all day and watched it's London for life on repeat. That could have gone dark. Um she says, what now? And he says, oh, you can drop me off at home and go to Sir Elton's party. And uh, she said she might not go. You're willing to miss a puppet show by Daniel Craig and Rachel Vice? We- Don't get me wrong. Those two are incredible. But all I want to see, well, I really want to see uh, is what, boss?
2: Their sex tape. Which, it gave, well, it, all I want to see those two do, do together is fuck, is what I should say. That's the actual line. But I imagined it not as a live show, because that seemed extra weird um yeah i you know what shockingly i didn't love this joke i i feel like
1: really this,
2: yes. yeah i didn't i
1: didn't I didn't like it either i thought it was like oh god that's
2: i did i didn't i creepy. didn't love it that yeah i feel like i think that if one of you guys made a joke about watching uh rachel vice and uh daniel craig sex tape i'd be like yes no i understand that but you guys have never been in a room with them to the best of my knowledge, like you aren't uh, friendly with them. There is a different level where, like, it, there are some couples where I'm like, okay, yes, if your sex tape leaked, or, or if you intentionally put out a sex tape, I might take a peek. I'm that might be something I'd be interested in. But if I said that to like friends of mine, if if I know a married couple and I'm like, yeah, I'd be interested in watching your sex tape, that's weird. That's a weird thing if you have conversations with people and you're like, "But also I would like to see you guys naked having sex
0: all right
1: seemed like a seemed like a Keeley line to me,
2: it, not a Rebecca it line. just seemed too much, even for me. I don't mind uh at crossing boundaries for a laugh, but I don't know if the laugh justified this this time. I didn't love it,
1: yeah, uh okay, um. Yeah, I'm just vanilla as fuck. So I'm I'm I was like, I was like, you watch I was still blown away by Roy watching people fuck in the woods. I'm like, that's a thing. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> hey, it's not just a thing, it's dogging.
1: Yeah, it's a thing with a name and and a huge following, apparently. Um, much like Ted Lasso. So um uh Ted says, um, ask her if she has any other ideas and she says you'll see. Um and there's a stupid joke about her driving like Ted on the wrong side of the car and he says he's sorry he's with the one with the accent here. Um okay.
0: I didn't I I I mean I'm not that one didn't you know break me up but I didn't mind that joke because I think Ted's Ted's ability like there's there's a cultural competence to being able to recognize that I'm the one with the accent here. It's not you you're, you know, why do you have the car why do you have the steering wheel on the wrong side? It's just I am accustomed to it being on the other side, which is different.
1: Listen, I'm so unfair it's so I'm being unfairly critical. All this is is a button. You gotta get out of the scene. You need a button. This is a button. That's it. It's all it is. It just buttons up the scene. It's it's Screenwriting 101. It's no big deal. It's a tiny little cultural commentary. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Um, okay, so we cut to Roy and Keeley and Phoebe holding big pieces of paper outside a uh a final door, and uh Roy is playing Silent Night out of out of his phone. Um the 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 now we get a um love actually uh, homage and It basically is Bernard. You hurt my Uh, feeling. Sorry. It says, "Say it's Carol singers," and then uh, we hear Bernard's dad in the background saying, "Tell him, give him a quid, so they can bugger off." Uh, Which brings up like we've had a number of sightings of bad dads on this uh, Mm -hmm. on this series, and so maybe Bernard is unfairly influenced by a Jamie-like father, or you know something. I don't know. Uh, Bernard, you hurt my feelings. Shame on you. A very nice dentist prescribing medicine. That should fix my stinky breath in 48, 72 hours. However, unless you make thoughtful amends, you will stink forever. And you'll have to deal with him, points to Roy, who growls. And her, points to Keely, who I was waiting to see what she would do. And then she like winces and says, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. which I really liked. I mm-hmm. thought that was a great choice. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, uh, and boy, again, it's so nice to have a couple where you have both of those elements. Um, and I forgive you, but please do better. Merry Christmas. And then he apologizes. And this second time around, I was like, Oh, that's really cute because they, this could have been ugly. And now everyone's friends. And she was on it. Talk about sharing in the right way, coach that you brought up. Like if you, you know, say your, your vulnerability out loud, if you do it in the Mm -hmm, right way mm -hmm. and frame it properly, um, good things could happen. And I know you and I who, who both have, uh, um, grew up with, with a lot of temper and, and families that were, were full of passion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we, we have learned to look for alternate uh, solutions to uh, possible conflicts. And so, yeah, yeah it's a good, this is, All positive, even though I hated every minute of it the first time I watched it.
0: Well, I I think that is really important. I'm glad you 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 brought that up, and I don't want to bring things down. And you know, we're we're about to you know have the 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 episodes happy ending as well. But quickly, I'll say that um, without dragging down in too many details, that somebody somebody's carelessness sort of messed things up for my family for a while, and. It really there there really is a whole process of being Roy and being like, Where's the kid live? Like I mean I could just see being like, I don't care, send your father out here, send your uncle out here, somebody getting ready to get their ass whooped or don't make me no difference. And it really is a process to <laughs> Doesn't make me no it don't make me no difference. I mean, like some I'm here for ass whooping.
1: I got all the time in the world, and that's what's gonna happen. I don't care. You send out the Pope and he's gonna get his ass whooped. Whoever I don't, comes I out of that do door is gonna catch this. And yeah, that and, is the root of so much bad shit in this world. Right? And and, and that, yes. And terrible. just
0: being able to go, no, we're not gonna do that. And then to see that ultimately you got to be tough. You got to bring a consequence. I mean, the kid was like, and rightfully so you know, chase and shame, whatever you want to call it. And, but, but there's hope for tomorrow, right? Like maybe that kid would have been season one, episode one, Jamie someday, and now won't be. And I liked that it wasn't like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, no, worry about it. Like, dude, like that wasn't cool. And you, it, you weren't trying to help. You obviously were trying to humiliate somebody else because of something that is, Clearly, not what they intend or want or want to have said about them. And I like, though, that rather than it being like, I will just extinguish your light forever, the message was do better. Yeah. Be, be best. I think one famous first lady. Oh, dear God.
1: <laughs> I say it all the time. I say it all the time to my kids, and they just die laughing. It's like, this, like just <laughs> be, be best. best. And they're like, you're such what is our dad is an idiot. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, uh, let's see. Okay. Roy, and Kee- Roy Phoebe and Keeley walked down an alleyway holding hands. We fi- finished up a team party. Oh, not quite finish up, but we go back to Higgins's glass. He, uh, Higgins's house. He raises a glass and he gives a toast and everybody cheers to the family Higgins. He thanks everyone for coming and gives a lovely speech. Um, lists off the, where, where everyone's from. I know you would have preferred to have been with them. It was truly an honor to have you with us, to share our tradition, to help us make new ones. Uh, to the family you, uh to the family um we're born with and to the family we make along the way, they do a toast and most importantly to Richmond. um lots of cheers
0: uh ho ho Higgins is coach you got before something? we yeah before we go outside, I know you and I had a conversation, I'm curious on the rewatch if if you felt uh any different about this speech because and then what you said to me, and maybe you want to speak to it now, you said to me that you thought. Who like it just didn't feel right to you for Higgins to be giving speeches, and I had some I have some thoughts on that, so I'm curious if it felt any different this time around or if you still sort of feel like what's happening here?
1: I was so knocked out by nothing moving forward in this episode except their record, which I'm like. Mm. What? I, I'm like okay, mm-hmm, w- mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. And, and and I and I am I'm so I'm so in love with the show, and I'm so plugged into the stakes and having an absence of state. I was really in a bad place by the time we got to Higgins's speech. I was just like, oh, wait, what the f-? like? He is the comic relief. Like, okay, all right, fine. Looking back, I will say that the better, the best characters are written to have more than one thing. More than one element, more than one dynamic, and so in that way, it's refreshing that Higgins gets to be a person of substance and stature, and and it was a lovely speech, and I love that the guys love Higgins because we love Higgins. Um, so so upon my rewatch, I obviously don't have the same amount of uh, uh, vitriol for the moment that I had because I'm like, I can't believe we're at the end of the episode, and and, the, and now we're having like the the clown like it's now giving like Bozo is going to teach us uh, like about life. I'm like, what is that? So because I was watching rewatching with no stakes in mind and no worry, I felt like, okay, good. Like this is fine. And then it was, it was a lovely speech and it was harmless and you know, it's all about Richmond in the end. And I, I was nice. It was nice to be reminded that they're all football players on a football team that I thought was a football show. Got
0: it. Okay. All right. That was, that was that was fair. There were pieces in, 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 in multiple directions. I get that. I For me, a couple quick things about that, because I do think it's relevant. I think it's going to be relevant going forward. One is, although Higgins has provided us with a lot of laughs, it is my opinion that Higgins is the moral guiding voice of this show. And I thought about this a lot, and I just want to plant that seed. I don't think we need to like have a grand debate about it at this exact moment. But I think he's the first one to hit us with some Caesar you later love. He gets it from the beginning. He's literally sickened by this plot of, um, Rebecca's. It's his finally putting his foot down and being willing to go off and grow a Van Dyke and play his bass and not be sure how he's going to feed his family that, that, that really puts Rebecca in position to take a look at what she's doing. Um, I actually think Higgins is much more important to what Ted Lasso has to say with his feminine junior self. um, Then, uh, then we may, then we may appreciate just sort of like going through the episodes and not thinking about it specifically.
1: I love that. Okay, good. No, these are really good points and, and you may very well be right. And when you frame it that way, I can't, I can't dispute it because that is, that was the sort of breaking point when, when Higgins cashed, you know, pushed his chips and, cashed out uh, it was that was a huge moment
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah now yeah. so i think there's something yeah.
1: there okay yeah we can c- continue to explore that um now we get what i think is i don't know maybe the best moment in television history um <laughs> 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 i know bo- i know a boss would agree with me on this this felt really um I think it's integral to the story. I'm so sorry.
2: So here's the only thing I want to say about the um, love actually confronting a child at his front door on Christmas Eve scene. I understand where you're both coming from. I don't have children, though. And the idea that two adults would show up at my niece's door, maybe, on Christmas with a sign that said, shame on you, makes me want to murder people. Like, I had such a problem with the scene, I disliked it intensely. I don't think that Bernard was trying to be as much of an asshole as the show made him out to be. I feel like this is not the way that adults handle things. You don't show up and tell a child not to tell their parents that you're there because you need to secretly shame them for paying attention to Phoebe's physical needs. Like, why is it that the bully from her class was the first person to be like, hey, dude, your breath stings and we need something to be done about this. Where are the mom and the uncle and the girlfriend involved in this that they weren't paying attention? And why do you then show up to ruin a child's Christmas by yelling at him to tell him that getting her a gift that was supposed to help was the worst thing that he could have done? I hated it. I hated every part of it. It made me furious.
0: All right. I, I, I'm going to join you and say that you're definitely, we know, uh, we, the audience know Roy and Keely. So I think we're kind of like, I, I think we're given a little bit more grace there or expected to give a little bit more grace there than, um, would be normally. So yeah, I could see where someone would be like, what do you mean you showed up at my door? I, ha- I'm, I do want to push back on the other side though. And I feel like I've heard stories like this over the years where, you know, some kid opens their locker and somebody's put a a stick of deodorant in there or whatever. The gift was intended to say your breath stinks and we think it's hilarious from the way I experienced the gift. I don't see how you give somebody a secret Santa. If you want to let them know there's something wrong, you pull them aside and say there's something wrong. To me, Secret Santa is like, ha, 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 you know what I'm going to get her? I'm going to get her some mints because her breath is kicking. I don't know. I, I feel like they may have-
1: He could have got her he got a Barbie
0: and a, and a pack of Tic Tacs and secretly
1: tried to help her. It,
2: yes. I'm not pretending that Bernard was did this right or that he wasn't trying to be an asshole. I'm got sure it. that this was a little bit fun. It, like He was like, well, ha, ha, your breath stinks. So you do desperately need it. But also, she did, in fact, desperately... Desperately was the
1: key word, by the way. Desperately was, like, what made
2: it. Yes, that made it mean. But also, like, this this was an issue.
0: No, no, yeah, you're right.
2: And I feel a little bit weird. Like, do you think the seven-year-old went to the store with his money and bought the toothpaste and toothbrush to give to her? Like, why aren't you involving Bernard's parents, since obviously they had something to do with this? Talk to the parents... Tell them this is what's going on. Tell your kid to leave my kid alone. Even that would have been fine. But it's like I know that it's Roy and it's Keeley and that we love them and that they're great. But I'm thinking about how this would possibly play in the real world. And it's bad. If it's I not were good,
0: if I were Bernard, though, and you laid those two options out for me. I would stand there watching those Johnny Carson cue cards for the rest of the humanity before I wanted you to call my mother out here and really get into Sure, some no.
2: Trouble. <laughs> I get that, too. It just, it, it feels like another scene where they should have killed their darling. Yeah, like they wanted I get to it. Do that,
0: the, yes, yes. A
2: love, actually, and they didn't think about the implications, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at
0: all. I haven't written stuff like this before, and it's hard to know that you're doing it. I mean, it's real. I think it's really hard because you're like, oh, it's all there. It all makes sense. It all lines up, and I'm lining this up with that, and it's going to be a reference. It's going to be so brilliant. Is that if you start, it feels like they started with the love actually, and they backed into the story. Yes. And yeah. I and I don't think very much of Ted Lasso feels that way.
2: Yes. Very much so. I think that it, it is a case that's where a great point. That's a great so. point. Yeah. yeah that's it's a, a really great
1: point. point.
2: They want to, boy, we do should so.
1: do something with love actually. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Which I get, but don't do this. Like I've also never been the type that is impressed with an homage by itself. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like this is very much what uh, Coach Castleson said earlier about how this is the rhyming episode. Like they are mm-hmm. alluding to love actually because they can, not because it does anything to the story.
0: Yeah, I I I I thought that about the episode in general. It did not anger me, but when the episode was over, I was like, "Well, they did it. They went for it. They did their Christmas."
1: Right. This is like a right. This is like a very what Co- coach is alluding to for those people that don't know. Like, so we have a lot of friends in the film industry and and uh, with creative people. Like, one of the worst things you can hear, you're like, "Okay, I just wrote a play. Everybody, come see it." And you know, if your friends go, "Whoa, wow, you've done it again." Like in these like tepid half <laughs> you know ha- half compliments, you know, it's like, oh God, like, well you did it, man. You did it. Like, yeah, that's if that it's not it. like I loved that, you know shit, it sucks.
2: Yeah. i on Friends, when Phoebe says that uh whenever Joey does a bad show, she just gives him a hug where she pushes her boobs into him, and that's enough. That's one really of those. really
0: funny. That's mm-hmm. very fu- I don't remember that, I, but that is very funny.
2: I just give him a hug and push my boobs. And I'm like, yeah, that'd work for Joey probably,
0: and
1: and most other people,
2: and most other people. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, last looks, final touches on this uh, this episode. We get to hear a a. Um, I mean, <laughs> we haven't even talked about it, but like, I I loathe the singing especially because when rebecca sang last it was so important yeah, yeah. and so powerful yeah. yeah and the and the choice of song was so was so key and and then oh my god there was a scene where like everybody runs outside higgins has his bass. i'm like what the fu- what like yeah. I, I was like yeah, I, yeah. I, i'm like oh oh god like there's a terrible terrible idea terrible and, um, it, listen, that's what happens. Sometimes terrible ideas make it through. And, uh, you know, God knows what the other ideas that lost out to this idea were. I have so,
0: I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you that as that scene unfolded, and especially as we saw uh, Santa's cameo, I thought I could. Yeah, that's the worst I, thing. I feel like I could hear boss. At the, the critical moment in her origin story. Like we were gonna know, like this was when boss went from saying she had a cold dead heart to actually having a cold dead heart. Like I I i You're was saying so the moment aware, that Santa flew over over uh, it, it. was the moment, I was like, oh wow, like boss may explode. I don't know how this is gonna play out, but this is not good that this has been transmitted to boss, and I hope she's okay. That that's yeah. how I felt.
2: So this might also surprise you. I'm going to say that it was not the worst thing that I've ever seen.
0: Really? Okay.
2: Okay. Because I turned the show off five minutes early and never actually witnessed the Santa coming through.
0: That is funny.
2: I recognized that they were going to start singing and I turned the show off and walked away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so
1: harsh. God damn. Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow, you went fuck this, and then I turned <laughs> I the <did>. show off.
2: <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> Although I did wow. the same thing with Game of wow. Thrones, so you know this episode is in good company. Yeah, watched- but
1: Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, you did it, and I remember when you did it, and I and I referenced it many times to people mm-hmm, because you mm-hmm. did it right because there were different levels of bad with Game of Thrones, and we don't want to talk about Game of Thrones, but there were different levels of bad, but you like sort of lasted through a lot of the moderately bad but you said fuck it right before the end yeah. where it got like unwatched where it ruined it for me and and millions millions of people yes. were ruined by the things and you never saw it you just you know you turn it off you're like i know this is not you were you were a, a fucking oracle at the time
2: yep i and I, then
1: once again you were like oh i see some singing about to happen good I'm good out. day sir.
2: i am yeah. out I bailed. There were two episodes left of Game of Thrones and I rolled out. There were approximately three minutes left while they were going to sing their song. And I was like, I don't need that anywhere in my brain. I don't need to hold on to that memory.
1: But you've and- now seen it, right? You've now seen them sing in the rewatch I- and you saw you saw the appearance of live action CGI Santa fly over mid I- caroling party.
2: I am aware that those things happened. I have not sat and watched the three minutes of film to know, to, to see it myself. I know that Santa shows up and I was like, well, I <sighs> I need to live still. So I can't <laughs> put myself through that.
0: I kind of like that you didn't watch it. I got to say <laughs> that is really tickling me, but okay.
2: Yeah. And like, as compared to the number of times that I would rewatch individual scenes or entire episodes or the whole first season, uh, this will be three minutes of Ted Lasso that I will never watch.
1: All right. We talk a lot about, we talk a lot about in my family with the kids about like uh, reaction to anxiety or or conflict with like people do fi- fight or flight or freeze or, you know, that kind
2: mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. And
1: um, I love that your instinct is to just nope the fuck out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: completely just say, like, and even to this day, you still have not seen Santa fly over while they're all singing and dancing. While Higgins' wife is singing and somebody has a guitar.
2: Yeah, no, I don't want to see that. My my reactions are fight, flight, or fuck off. And this one was the third.
0: Oh, I, I love that so <laughs> much. Oh, my God. I, that, that's like a T-shirt. Like, I feel like, wait, what just happened? Flight, <laughs> fight, or fuck off.
1: Because is- that's not right. That's an that's a much more empowered stance than flee. Oh. You're not fleeing from anything. You're yeah. consciously saying, fuck "I'm not fuck leaving." Fuck. You are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it
0: is. Yeah. I I banish you from my presence. No, that yeah. is fight, flight, or fuck off. Yes. God, I got a trademark out right Seriously. now. Seriously. Like, I'm ready oh, to put shit. in my application immediately. That is brilliant. Just Go to brilliant. our website
1: for the sh- shirts that say
2: yes. that. Yes, so. I'll buy that t-shirt. I'll wear that for sure. <sighs>
0: That's great. Wow. Just great. Um, yeah. No, this was, I, listen, I, I will say I enjoyed myself, but I definitely watched this knowing you're not making it any easier to defend you, Ted. I'm like, I'm doing my best over here. You threw in a damn Christmas episode in August. I mean, come on, man, work with me. Uh, But that is where we
2: find ourselves. (laughs) In August, in August, of all the times that I don't need Christmas, August is the one. And they tried to make me love Christmas. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, that part didn't bother me a bit because I love Christmas and I don't care. Um, But, uh, but yeah. I, I, when I, st- I was so mad about this episode at, at our football draft, like, mu- I gotta be, was it months later or weeks later? Uh, coach, I it forget. It. it was weeks, weeks later. Weeks. Yeah. And I, and I was, and I was just railing against this. And now that I've, now I've calmed down and watched it with a, you know, rewatched it with, with understanding there were going to be no stakes or whatever. I see why people were like, Oh, he's a crazy person. Coach is a crazy person because he's, you know, like it's, it's, I was, I was so mad about it. Um, which is not necessarily, if, if you went in just going, Hey, I'm here to enjoy myself rather than, you know, having an agenda that you wanted to see. It's, it's not, it is not the worst, uh, episode of television. Although the final scene might be one of the worst final scenes of television.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely went for it. They, that was full on. They've done it again. Uh, yeah, that was definitely like, wow, guys. Like, but part of me also has to, like, I do think nothing worse than failing or coming up short. If, you know, obviously for both of you very much. So this, this episode did, I think is pulling up short. And so I will give them that they were like, we are doing a Christmas episode. Like it wasn't like, Sheepishly, like it's like, no, 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 we're doing it complete with the kids seeing Santa Claus. We're doing the whole thing. Um, there was something in that that I uh that worked for me that they just said, Yep, that's it. And if you're not in bone, you're just not in because this is true. or boss. sorry. if you're not in yeah. boss, you're not in, and that's just how it's going to be.
1: Yeah, that takes courage, that takes courage, and it's almost a shame because. If you're really fired up about something like let's say as a creative person who um uh at least at least uh coach you and I try to create something from nothing um I know um bo- uh boss when you write uh your articles you do the same thing and it's like it's it's a bummer when you're like I have an idea and I can picture this is going to be great and then you put it out there and it gets you know I won't say roundly panned but widely disliked um Uh, many with a real real hardcore commentary on it and uh, it's that part sucks as a creative person usually because you're not trying to offend anybody you're just trying to trying to have a vision and and communicate it to everybody and you want everybody to be on board and kumbaya and it should be a wonderful experience and we can all be in a fun circle of experience together and when it fails like this it's really difficult um and again it didn't fail across the board it just tended to provide a um a jumping off point for some tier of fans who weren't as into the the no stakes episode or the christmas of it all or whatever it is so uh from that standpoint your heart breaks for the people who made it because it it wasn't as uh wasn't wasn't as effective of an episode as maybe they had hoped and so uh, next week, we look to hopefully get back on track a tiny bit with, um, season two, episode five, rainbow. We're going to have a lot of, uh, Nate the Great. We're going to figure out whether or not he's still great. Um, and, uh, and there's going to be a lot to discuss. Coach, uh, and boss and, and for all three of us here, we thank you for, for muddling through this episode with us. Uh, and we are, as ever,
0: Richmond till, till We, we die. die. See you next time.
1: The TEDCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.